Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Hoopsville. I hope you are, are doing well. Uh, we are back in the Hoopsville studios, though they're still in a little bit of disarray. We will get that fixed, I promise, uh, at some point in time. But welcome back in, everybody. We are, we are coming to you live from the Hoopsville studios, presented by NABC. Of course, our partners also at D3Hoops.com, WBCA, and Blue Frame Technology. Side note, if you want to be a partner of ours, a sponsor, advertiser, whatever it is, Reach out to us. You can reach out to myself personally, or you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Of course, if you're a fan of the show, you should be following us on Twitter. Twitter.com. Our Twitter is our at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Also on Instagram, at d3hoopsville there as well. Also on Facebook, where we're streaming live as well tonight, on top of uh, our normal avenues, facebook.com slash hoopsville. All the ways you can contact us, and we hope you'll stay in touch with us. Etc. 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 By the way, breaking news: If you haven't noticed, the D three boards—they've officially been changed to the re- regional titles. Um, something that surprised me while I was out in California. Not that I wasn't expecting it; I just didn't know when it was going to happen. Um, but the—they uh, are out there now. Uh, we also have the multi-region board, which I'm used to being the very last. It's now the very front. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a little wacky, but. There you are. Uh, lots of ways to catch up, and we hope you'll take advantage of that D3 boards, especially uh, via the D3 Sports Network. Uh, as I said, we are streaming to you live. Um, and on Facebook, I've got the chat up via my laptop, so I'm going to have to like lean back to see it. We're going to have to rearrange some things here to get a better look at things. Also, you can find us on Twitter, of course, at uh, D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. We'll interact with you in many of those ways there. Uh, I apologize, didn't get out as many shows as I was expecting to um, back uh, when I was in California for nearly three weeks. Uh, it was a great plan, great idea, tape a couple shows, get them produced while I could, uh, until I completely underestimated my schedule uh, or ever overestimated my abilities to do it. Um, did get one show out, want to thank those who joined us, had a great conversation with the head coaches at Rutgers Newark and Mount St. Vincent women's basketball programs about uh, being married and then playing against one another. It was a great convo. If you missed it, go back and listen to the podcast or go listen to the on-demand version. Um, I enjoyed chatting, not only getting the insight of how they met and how they got together and all that stuff, but especially uh, finding out how the whole game came together as well. Um, I appreciate them being good sports, as it were, with all of that. Um and, and then Bob and, and Ryan, great to have them on the show. Really appreciate them taking the time to join us uh, and talk about the top 25 from their vantage point. Thought about having on tonight's show, considering the first in-season top 25 comes out on uh, Monday or uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to us live. Um, but also at the same time, knew I was going to have a busy weekend. Got back from California on Friday. I was at Navy for basketball on Saturday, and I was at Navy today and got home 15 minutes before the show was supposed to get on the air, which is why we're a few minutes late hitting the air as well. So just knew I had a lot going on, wanted to get a couple of things taken care of in the show. So we're going to save Bob and Ryan to the next show. By the way, the next show will be, at this point, I believe we're going to do it next Monday, so a, a week and a day because I will be at the Division Three Men's and Women's Soccer Championships this upcoming weekend, which will scuttle a plan for Thursday. Though I guess we could always get into town early enough on Thursday to try and do a show. So I, I, I reserve the right and the opportunity to maybe do one on Thursday. But to be honest with you, I also would rather just make my packing easier and focus just on soccer. Then we'll come home on Sunday, 
Granted, we have gotten home on Sunday and had plenty of time to do a show, but I'm usually also exhausted. So how about we just be smart? We'll wait till Monday. We'll do a show on Monday. We'll get Bob and Ryan in to react to the latest top 25. Uh, then we'll get our first Thursday show of the season, I guess. Is that right? Yeah, I think it is our first Thursday show of the season. That will start. Uh, and we'll get a bunch of shows in in the month of December. Looking quickly at the month, uh, I believe we can get four shows maybe five in before we take a holiday break um, and do other things. Uh, and then, obviously, there's the D3 Hoops Classic, which we'll talk about coming up in the next few weeks. And then when we hit January, we're locked in. We should have all of our normal shows. Again, sorry not as many shows in November as I had planned and as hoped, but the opportunity to be out in California working for World Team Tennis uh, was way too good to pass up. There's hints that it's going to happen again next year, and if that's the case, we will just have better ability to plan. Um, it also will maybe miss less of the of the season. They're going to shift the season slightly and maybe miss a little bit less. So there you go. Um, I think we covered it all. Any questions? <laughs> again, you can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Uh, you can join us on Twitter, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Um, I've got it up on the laptop now. I'll try and get to other ways we can get to things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, you can also join us on Facebook where we're streaming the show live. Uh, that just something we haven't done before. Um, and we're glad we can, we can offer it again. Believe it or not, it's my aunt who reminded me that we used to do this. Um, my Aunt BJ, because I have a feeling she might be tuning in, Thanks for the reminder. I had forgotten. It, it had been that long. I had forgotten that we had been simulcasting off Blue Frame. Uh, our partners at Blue Frame Technology, where you're seeing us on the portal, forgot that we also simulcast to Facebook because that's where she tended to watch it. So uh, thanks to her. Uh, that's awesome that she was able to remind me. And so here we are. We're streaming again on Facebook. Uh, and we may even add another one here in the near future. Uh, we'll cross that bridge later. All right. We'll cross that bridge in a little bit. Um, so there you go. If you got questions, let us know. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's been happening so far. Um, while I've been out of town, uh, some big games took place today on this Sunday show that I'm thrilled to see. Um, Randolph Macon had a game against Christopher Newport, which it looks like they won. Yeshiva came from behind to beat Manhattanville. Johns Hopkins had a big win today. Uh, also some other results from over the weekend. We'll get to those in due time. Uh, it f falls under the category of, of bear with us. I'm going to actually go backwards a little bit with men's basketball. Um, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, this, this poll that I see from Daryl Nestor um, is outstanding because I think it's every single game. So I can just go to one of his postings on D3 boards on the men's basketball side. There's a lot of losses. By the way, Tufts, who was number 11 in the preseason top 25, is one in five. Uh, on this young season. Uh, that's a surprise, to say the least. Marietta's 3-2. and two. Um, I don't think a loss in what they had to start is surprising. They started with Christopher Newport, Roanoke, Wabash, Randolph-Macon, and Geneva. A loss in that five, short. Two losses may be the surprise. They lost to Roanoke. We mentioned that on the last show, 77-68. And then they lost to Randolph-Macon, 82-74. Um, not a bad loss in any way. Marietta will certainly stay in the poll. We'll just see where voters decide to go with them. Trying got its first loss, losing to Mount Union. I'm not overly surprised by that. I think maybe I have more stock in Mount Union than I do trying, though I'd have to grab my backpack to remember how I voted because of my sheets in there. Um, 
As I said, Tufts lost. Emory's 3-2. and two. They lost to Randolph-Macon 88-74. No surprise, surprise, but then lost to Wabash 98-90. Uh, Wabash off to a tr- tremendously good start. Johns Hopkins, we mentioned, lost their opener to Christopher Newport, and they have since then defeated Salisbury, York, St. Mary's, Gettysburg, and Lycoming. Uh, Lycoming game was a dominating fashion, winning by 30. Um, Gettysburg was an easy win, 88-56. Uh, in their first Centennial Conference game of the season. Uh, the win over York, 70-49, a little surprising, though I don't know where York sits in terms of what they were expecting this season, honestly. Um, other ones that jump out, these are just losses. Dubuque is 3-3. Three and three. They were in number 16 in the top 25. They've lost to Augustana, Wartburg, and Wash U. Maybe not horrible losses. Augustana, not receiving votes, uh, and they lost 80-64 to to Dubuque. Oshkosh lost to Illinois Wesleyan in a thriller of a game, 65-63. I briefly mentioned that on the last show. Wash, you lost to Webster, 72-60, if you can believe it. Whitworth lost to Platteville, of course, number five Platteville, 90-69. I don't think that's an overly shocking result there. But that's their only loss of the season. They're 5-1. and one. Wittenberg is uh, off to an 0-3 start. I actually saw a former Wittenberg grad um, oh, I'm sorry. Yep, you're right. Thank you, Rob. No, I got I got my notes crossed. I'll get back to that. Thank you, Rob. Rob. Rob Silsby. I wasn't sure if Rob was texting me because uh, women's soccer is in the final four, or if he was texting me about basketball. No, he's right. I'm gonna go back and correct that now. Good call. Totally got it mixed up in my head. Christopher Newport upset Randolph Macon. I knew I had that. I just somehow flipped it in my head. Good call, sir. Uh, Christopher Newport with a thrilling victory over Randolph-Macon, of course, number one team in the country. question becomes, are they still the number one team in the country? Uh, That's up for debate. I saw Bob Quillman tweeting earlier stuff like that. Thank you, uh, Poppers. Yeah, I got the update. Um, Where did I see his note about this? Where was it? Oh, this is what happens when you're doing still things. Uh, Bob says, I still think Randolph-Macon has the best number one case. I really struggle to consider Yeshiva for number one without anything resembling a great win. I know Yeshiva fans are angry with me already I, and I, and now getting even angrier, but that's my opinion. Yeah, you know what? I, I understand his point. That said, um, I don't know. I'm going to have to weigh that too. I had Randolph-Macon one and, and Yeshiva two, but we'll get back to that later. But thank you, uh, Rob, for texting me that. I appreciate it. And Poppers on, on Twitter for correcting me as well. Um, Sorry, my brain <laughs> running back from Navy women's basketball games today, where, by the way, it was chock full of Division Three connections. Uh, Navy, who I know looked at Division Three coaches when they made their hire two years ago to replace Stephanie Pempers or a year and a half ago. Uh, I know for reasons you're just going to have to trust me on. Uh, I, I, I know uh, they were looking at Division Three coaches. They went with uh, Tim Taylor out of the ACC, terrific hire. He ended up with all Division III-related coaches. Now, he had Jimmy Colleton, who was a Wittenberg grad, didn't play at Wittenberg, but a Wittenberg grad. He comes from Stephanie Pepper's um, staff. He stays on, He and, and he's not going to be happy with how Wittenberg's 0-3 to start the season. That's where I was going, by the way, before I got the text. Um, you also have a tremendously good player. I'm going to botch her name, so bear with me here. She played for uh, um, Anthony Ewing, at University of New England, uh, Nor- Nor'easters, she was a heck of a talent. And one of the top reasons that they uh, were such a good team in women's basketball. And I just don't want to screw it up because I-, I know I'm going to say the wrong name. There- there's-, 
There's multiple coaches on the team, and, and so I don't want to screw this up. So uh, where is it? Lauren Hayden. Lauren Hayden, who who coached at as an assistant at Chatham for the last year or two. She's now at Navy. Kevin Leatherwood, I got a chance to say hi to him. He got his coaching start, though he's not a Division three student uh, or a player. He got his coaching start at Hampton Sydney and coached there for a number of years. He certainly knows Yodak well. We had a fun little back and forth regarding that. Uh, Kelsey Wolf is the strength and conditioning coach and director of player development in the Navy. The only reason I bring her up, she's the only one I think who doesn't have a, a Division three connection. She was a Virginia grad. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I got I got something wrong here. Marlena Tremba, who played at William Mary, she's the one who came from Chatham. She's the one who came from Chatham. She was there as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Chatham. And then Lauren Hayden came from Lynchburg. That's where Hayden came from. Uh, again, she played at University of New England uh, and was uh, a scholar-athlete at Coast Side, uh, academic all-district honor. She was Defensive Player of the Year in the Co- Commonwealth Coast Conference, uh, holds the records for steals, and you name it, it has to do with steals. She set the record. She was a two-time captain there. She was an NCAA Woman of the Year in 2016, nominated, I should say, by UNE. She, I remember her well. Anyway, my point being, she's there now. She came from, and that's what I'm double-checking, um, Let's see. Yes, Lynchburg and George Fox. That's where the other connection was. So Hayden leaves New, New England, goes to George Fox for a couple of years. That certainly didn't do too bad. Then goes to Lynchburg. Remember, Lynchburg was pretty good when Hayden was there. Now she's up at um, at Navy. Didn't get a chance to say hi to her uh, yet. I'm hoping somewhere down the road I'll be able to do that. But then go over to the George Mason team who was there today. George Mason has a Christopher Newport grad, you all might remember, from 1996. Um, I'm, I, again, don't want to screw up names, so bear with me as I, as I look this up uh, because I'm, I'm good at botching names. I just remember kind of my jaw dropped. He's in his first season there. Bear with me. We're, we're here. Coaches, here we go. Uh, I, Andre Bolton. Andre Bolton from Christopher Newport in his first year as a – as an assistant coach, or he's he's a special assistant to the head coach uh, at George Mason. So it, it was, I felt like it was a little bit in cloud, uh, D3 cloud there. So I kind of had my head in the wrong direction. So I apologize for screwing that up. Uh, thanks, Rob, again, for, for texting and letting me know. Um, by the way, Christopher Newport's win ends randolph Mankins' 23-game winning streak. Um, congratulations to them. And again, we will see... Their women's team at the soccer championships, they're returning. Uh, their last time was 2018, if memory serves. Um, all right, so where was I? I had, Witten, I had Wittenberg off to an 0-3 start. Maryville got its first loss to Emory. So they're 4-1, but still not a bad start. New Jersey City, which honestly, surprised voters voted for them into the top 24, or top 25. They're number 24. They're 3-4. They've lost to Alvernia, Rutgers, Newark. Randolph making no surprise there, though it wasn't close. And Alvernia. Brandeis lost to Emerson. They were their 25th pick. Uh, receiving votes is, is chock-a-block with losses as well. That's just on the men's side. And granted, we, we've, we've had a preseason poll. We haven't had an in-season poll, so there's a lot of losses in general. Things that jump out at me. Uh, Yeshiva's perfect at 8. No, though, had to come from something like 12 behind or, or bigger behind in the first half against Manhattanville today. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan's off to a 5-0 start, including wins over Calvin, Alma, Oshkosh, Hope, uh, and Lake Forest, I'll just name all five. Platteville's off to that 7-0 start. We briefly mentioned them on the last show, including wins over Whitworth um, and a couple other good teams in there. 
Gustavus Adolphus is a good win. Wheaton off to a 6-0 coach uh, start. By the way, guess who we'll be talking to? Their head coach, Mike Schauer, coming up on the show when we talk to both committee chairs in just a few minutes simultaneously. Mike Schauer of Wheaton will join us. And Megan Wilson of Luther, you might remember her from some Wisconsin schools. She's not there anymore. She's at Luther as an administrator, not a coach, but she's the chair of the women's co- committee. We're getting them both on the show together. Can't wait for that. Speaking of which, we better kind of start setting some of that up uh, as we're still rushing around here. Um, by the way, side note, looking for the latest producer extraordinaire. He will be joining us eventually. I promise. We hope. We're still building our studios to have him join us. Uh, other things, St. Joe's, Connecticut, start off 5-0. and Haven't missed a beat. Beat Trinity, Connecticut, six, uh, 79-59. Um, remember, we, we talked on the last show that Jim Calhoun uh, had to step away. We're looking forward to maybe getting him on a show in the near future. Swarthmore is off to a 4-1 start. I'm a little surprised. They lost to Widener, 77-66, and barely got past Muhlenberg, 79-75. Um, We'll have to watch Swarthmore and see where they where they kind of go. Elmers is off to a five and zero start. Mary Harden Baylor off to a three and zero start. Lacrosse is off to a seven zero start. Roanoke out to a five and zero start, including a sixty thirty nine win right before Thanksgiving to my alma mater Goucher. My only reg- real regret going to um, to Indian Wells, California, was to miss out on that matchup at Goucher. Mount Union off to that five and zero start as we mentioned, including that win over Trine. They also have wins over Albion and Worcester in the mix there. So tremendous start. Those receiving votes, by the way, Barry is off to a 5-0 start. RPI off to a 4-0 start. DeSales looks really sneaky good. They're out to a 6-0 start, including a win over Scranton and Montclair State. Christopher Newport's now 5-2 with that win over number one Randolph-Macon. That'll leap them into the top 25. Just not sure how far it will leap them. We'll certainly keep an eye on that to see where they possibly uh, end up. Um... Amherst is off to a 5-0 start. Nothing shocking in terms of teams. Rosemont, Colby Sawyer, Mass College, SUNY Geneseo. I mean, SUNY Geneseo, 79-41 is interesting. Westfield State, 89-59. So we're not sure what to make of Amherst in that 5-0 start. Trinity, Texas, off to a 6-1 start, though they lost to uh, Carlton, which is interesting, 103-100 in their last game. Um, so those are some of the games that jump out to me. Hendricks off to a 6-1 start. Williams off to a 5-0 start. But again, Williams played SUNY Oneonta, Curry, Salem State. Interesting. Mass College and SUNY Delhi. I'm not sure what to make of those either. Um, anyway, so that's just on the men's side. We haven't even gotten to the women's side. I'm debating whether I go there now because I, I may... <laughs> I may regret it later, uh, just in our timing, but quickly jumping into the women. Bear with me here. Uh, here we go. On the women's side, uh, Hope undefeated, no surprise, 5-0. East Texas Baptist, we mentioned it on the last show, took their first loss to Rhodes. They've won since. Trine got its first loss of the season to Eau Claire, who was receiving votes. Uh, Whitman's 5-0. Messiah's 5-1, having lost to Gettysburg. We mentioned that in the last show. Uh, Simpson lost to Eau Claire. They're 4-1. Tufts is 4-1 with a loss to Transylvania uh, by one. Uh, John Carroll's undefeated. DeSales is off to a 2-3 start. Really surprising on the women's side. Lost to number 12 Scranton, then Muhlenberg, and then number 5 Messiah. Warburg's undefeated at 4-0. Wheaton's undefeated at 7-0. Scranton took that took a loss to Ithaca. Bowden is 7-0. Harden-Simmons is 6-0. 
Amherst is 5-0. Oshkosh is 6-1. Whitewater is 6-0. DePaul 5-0. Christopher Newport 7-0. And, uh, and then a handful of losses in the bottom. George Fox off to a 2-3 start. Receiving votes category, Bethel's off to a 1-4 start. St. John Fisher off to a 5-0 start. Babson off to a 5-1 start. Rhodes is 7-1. Uh, Wisconsin Lutheran and, and NYU 4-0 and 6-0 respectively. Oglethorpe's off to a really rough start. Um, two and six on the season. Losses to LaGrange, Piedmont, and Amherst and Gordon to start the first four. Got wins over Maryville and Franklin, then lost to Asbury and Letourneau. Um, Not what I think we expected out of Oglethorpe this season. Uh, they're going to be coming from behind now for sure. Eau Claire, 6-0. St. Lawrence is 5-0. Transylvania is 5-0, including that win, as we mentioned, over Tufts. Also a win over Piedmont. Piedmont is 4-2 and two on the season. So that's just a quick taste of the women's side of things. Um, lots going on. I'm playing catch-up still. We do have um, the new Top 25 coming out. That will certainly keep me busy trying to get that figured out as well uh, as I vote for tomorrow. Uh, was we'll get our new Top 25 polls out at that point. So there you go. I'm pretty sure I missed something. I am sure we will still talk about more things as we move forward. Uh, if you're watching us on the Facebook stream, I'm, I'm going back there now to, to see who might be there. Um, I do see some comments. Thank you for joining us. Great to see you back. Some sense of normalcy. Todd, I agree. Some sense. Mark, good to see you too, sir. Uh, and Dave, Framingham State women 4-1, and one, Babson women 5-1. and one. Yep. Yep. Some interesting starts out of New England in the women's side of things for sure. So there you go. We're going to take a break. When we come back, hopefully both chairs will be able to join us from, uh, from the men's and, basketball, men's and women's basketball um, uh, show. They're, they're there. They're waiting for me. So we're going to take a break and talk to them. Um, they can't see me. That's the only good thing. They see this really cool picture of me, but they can't see me. I'm going to maybe keep that all year so no one can see what I really look like when they interact with me. Anyway. I'm a little goofy, need a little more water. I'm going to take a break. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, or email us Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. You can also join us on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, but we don't tend to answer questions during the show there. There's only so much we can do, okay? We'll be back. A lot to talk about. The chairs join us. Megan Wilson from Luther and Mike Shower and his undefeated Wheaton Thunder team. Join us after the break. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. 
Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, we're, we're back. How you doing, folks? Still remembering how to use all the software we haven't used in quite some time. Welcome back to Hoopsville, live from the Hoopsville studios versus... I, and the other thing, by the way, I didn't want to do too many shows. Didn't want to rub in the beauty of Indian Wells and Palm Springs. It's really a shame. I think I saw one day of clouds, no day of sun, no day of rain in, in the nearly three weeks I was there. Temperatures in the 90s when I got there, but in the 70s most of the rest of the time. I'm adjusting to the cold on the East Coast. It was a shame. It really was. Anyway, I'm sarcastic sometimes. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Going to talk to the men's and women's basketball chairs here in a moment. Uh, we haven't done this together with them before. It's, it's a little bit different for us uh, and, and looking forward to doing it that way. We just have never done it that way. Um, and it gets us a chance to kind of hear from them and, and see what they have to say about things and how things work from their perspective, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I promise you we're getting there. I'm just trying to figure out why my, my system won't work properly. So that's really our biggest problem. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, email us, hoopsville at D3Sports.com. I'm finally remembering that is proper. Uh, and we'll answer your questions as best we can. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, trust me, they're here. We're just trying to remember how to... Oh, here it is. Never enough time. There's never enough time. Um, nope. This is just, this is what's going to, my son will eventually take this over and I don't have to worry about it. And it'll be so much better that way. And then I can blame him when things go wrong. Uh, and he just stares at me like I've lost my mind, which let's be honest, folks, we all know I have. Um, the one thing I think is going to be interesting this year is remember on the men's side, nothing really changes. On the women's side, we got a, a few changes other than the 10 regions for everybody. We have, uh, championships that are going to get a little bit more attention this year as I uh, finally figure out the pictures here to make everything work. Um, and now I'm going to bring everybody in just kind of cold. Uh, join us on the uh, Hoopsville Hotline presented by Blue Frame Technology, including an ugly picture of me that we'll figure out. Uh, it is uh, Megan Wilson and Mike Shower, coaches. Uh, coaches, because Megan, I'm still going to call you a coach. Thanks for That's taking fine. the time to join us. How are you guys? How how is everything? How how's the season been, Mike? I'll start with you because you're off, off. We'll talk more about it later, but you're off to a pretty darn good start here. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for uh, having us on. Uh, appreciate the work you do on behalf of of D three basketball. And yeah, we're off to a pretty good start. You know, um, uh, I like my team. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about it. And uh, but things are good and and excited to to be this far down the road with what feels like a more normal season and, and uh, excited to watch championships in the fall sports uh, start to 
come to a conclusion and uh, and certainly excited to get our championships going. Uh, Megan, I know you're no longer coaching necessarily, but uh, you're still involved as an administrator. It, it's got to be nice as an administrative point of view to not have to be worrying about, you know, can you get players just on the courts to practice? I know there's probably a lot of hoops you got to jump through, but you're not having to deal with all the crud you were dealing with last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's been, like Mike said, somewhat normal. Um, it, it feels good to see fans in the stands and to see our teams and student athletes get an opportunity to compete. And like we were just talking about before, you know, it's super excited for us as chairs to be gearing up for what hopefully looks like a great championship, uh, the first in a few years. And I couldn't be more excited for the D3 student athletes. Uh, interesting enough, we should point out, um, you know, some things have changed. Uh, not everything has changed, but some things have changed. First off, uh, we're at these 10 regions. And, and I kind of want to start there because we're all still getting used to it. We don't even have names for them anymore. We're so used to calling New England and East and South and Central. And now it's one, two, three, five. Nothing all that amazing about it. But from your perspective, what's it like now to have... 10 committee members and more committees that you're going to have to go through on a weekly basis. I know you haven't done a lot of that stuff, but I'm sure it's, it's racked your mind a little bit. Megan, I'll start with you. I know you're only your second season. Great. Your first year was COVID, uh, but your second season doing all this, what's it like with 10 regions? Yeah. You know, this is actually my fourth on the committee. Um, just this will be my second championship though. Um, you know, I, I think this is something the conference commissioners have had in the works for three to four years. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think we're in for some longer phone calls um, at both levels, both in the regional rankings, ranking 20% of the region um, and then on the national call. So I, I think it'll get interesting. Hopefully, um, you know, it's an initiative that pays off and, you know, I know we'll reevaluate it, um, but I, I think we're in for some long phone calls. Hopefully we can, it allows us to get things right. Uh, you know, I know there was a lot of talk. The East was just so big and, you know, can we do something to kind of make some of those regions a little bit more manageable? Um, and so, you know, with the fall sports kind of kicking this off, we'll kind of see if we got it right here in, a, you know, another month or so when we get into rankings. Thanks for the reminder. I forgot you had been on there a few times, uh, but just not with the championships, which is, I mean, for a lot of people. Uh, that's that's the makeup of it for sure. Not having a lot of championship experience, um, Mike. From your perspective, it, ten committees is interesting. Certainly, Northeast breaking that up was one thing, uh, but for for another, from your perspective, oh, the YX no longer in your region, sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you know, this day very few things happen at Division Three in a sports specific way. So we needed to realign. Uh, the regions across the board, across all sports. We just had regions, Megan pointed out the Northeast that uh, for men's women's basketball was so big. And then the East region by comparison was relatively small. And we just needed to, to make that a little more equitable, a little more even across the board. So it was inevitable. I agree with Megan. I think the biggest concern we have as a committee is just uh, the calls are going to get a little longer. We're ranking more teams and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out now, when you have results against regional ranked teams, you're going to be ranking so many more teams. And so some of those, uh, some of the criteria and some of those numbers are going to go up a little bit. And I'll be curious to see uh, who, if anybody, that benefits uh, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I would be remiss not to suggest that I'm, I, uh, I don't mind being out of the region with Wisconsin League. I think uh, 
I think that's probably probably just fine with the CCIW coach and me. Uh, Megan, I suspect knowing the former Wyatt coaches that you are you're familiar with, they're not all that disappointed to be out of the way of the CCIW teams. Yeah, likely not. Central region was tough on the women's side of things. I'm not sure that our region got any easier, though. No, no, fair. Uh, And Superior, who left the YX, like, great, we got rid of them. Oh, wait, they're back Uh, as they they move into a same conference situation. Yeah, obviously, we'll know more as we get later in the year. Uh, The calls will certainly get longer. We've heard that from the fall sports already, uh, as you do have to go through two more regions. Mike, from your perspective as a coach, is that a little bit more daunting that you're going to you're going to lose a little bit more time of your day to deal with things for your team? Um, I know we've had other coaches who have been chairs, and it's interesting to see how some have been affected and some others haven't. And I usually look at their usually in hindsight, look at their the staff that they have with them. That seems to be the impact. Are, are you worried about losing time? And on top of that, do you have the staff who can maybe help you kind of maintain that, as it were? Yeah, well, the second part I definitely do. Uh, John Panner's been with us for a long time, and uh, people inside the program know he's pretty much running the show anyway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he does a great job of scouting and preparing our team. So we'll be fine from that perspective with no worries. You know, I think the biggest thing is chair. I'm not necessarily worried. You know, the the, the additional time on the calls and stuff is going to be moderately more by comparison to a, to a day or a week's amount of time. But I actually was was just in a conversation with Mike DeWitt. They were here for our tournament uh, about a week or so ago and, and just really counseled me to make sure that, you know, as a chair, you do feel a sense of wanting to watch games and, and follow teams very closely. And before you know it, you're spending a lot of your extra time uh, watching games um, from around the country, which I think we should do. But I think that that's the part that, that we've got to manage a little bit is this feeling of having to see everybody play and, um, because at the end of the day, whether we think team A is better than team B ultimately doesn't matter because the criteria dictates uh, who we rank and who we pick. But but that's probably my biggest concern is just feeling like I, I do my job well as a chair and give and have a sense of what's going around the, around the country. Um, but that would be the case regardless of how many regions we have. Uh, yeah, Mike watched a lot of West Coast basketball. He and I were texting at night way too often about games it certainly concerned me and he kept doing it after he was done uh he couldn't lose the habit uh which is that's it's great that you bring that up Megan you may not have the coaching responsibilities anymore you certainly have your administrative responsibilities but I I almost find it a a really good thing and an advantage that we've got an administrator who's a former coach who can almost play the role of coach on these committees while it doesn't count as coach, if that makes any sense. So yeah, Mike counts as a coach. He also counts as administrator, depending on how you, how you fudge the numbers a little bit, but you being a former coach, you still have that perspective that a lot of administrators sometimes don't have on these committees. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I kind of, I joke a little bit, but this is my tie to the game that I love so much and probably got out a little prematurely. So um, I think I have a great perspective, both, you know, serving on the regional rack as a coach and then more recently, uh, mostly just as an administrator. And so, um, you know, I do bring an interesting perspective, but like Mike said, it it comes down to the numbers, right? So like there's little that my perspective can do in the way of that, but I think I do understand 
um, you know, listening to the various committee members, obviously they're made up of both coaches and administrators, um, but it, it seemed my committee's pretty heavy uh, on coaches currently. So I think it gives a good perspective um, and I can bring a little bit different conversation. Well, a couple of things that brings me up first off. Yes. The women's side always seems to be heavy with coaches who are split with administrators. Women tend to have more administrative roles when it comes to these committee assignments, I should say tend to be coaches with administrative roles. And there's a host of reasons why that is versus the men. It tends to be a little bit more straightforward. It's either an administrator or it's a coach. Sometimes you get a crossover. Um, and again, what is it? A minimum of, well, now it's 10. So a minimum of five have to be administrators if memory serves. Um, and, I, and again, it depends on how you, how, you, how you look at the numbers. The NCAA does that. You guys all do it in Division Three. Megan, I'm curious, though, the women's, challenge has been over the years that there's so many coaches who are also involved in the tournament as coaches you know their teams are involved that your committee as a result gets whittled down as selections are done and especially when it comes to bracketing based on how your committee has done things that you're you're putting the weight on two or three of your individuals to do yeoman's work is it having a bigger staff and having someone like you being chair where you don't have the coaching responsibilities maybe going to be a bit more of a benefit? I think absolutely. Um, you know, three years ago when we were preparing, we found ourselves in that very situation. Um, and it really comes down to mostly bracketing. Yeah. Um, you know, that those coaches leave our calls in terms of, you know, until they're in. But when we get to bracketing, any of the coaches that are on our committee are asked to leave. Um, so they're not in on that. And so I think it puts a lot on, those few people, um, you know, and, and that's a really long Sunday and we want to make sure we get it right and put the best bracket po together possible. And so I think this will help um, alleviate some of that pressure that's placed on just those few committee members. Mike, on the flip side of that, again, and, and this is based on conversations I've had and some things can change. So correct me if I'm wrong. The men have allowed the coaches to be involved in that bracketing. If they're still involved in the tournament, they may not be involved in their section. You I'm going to take a random one. Let's say there's somebody in New England who's in the tournament. They may work on the west side of the bracket uh, or the south side where it doesn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. It's a different philosophy. From my conversations on the women's side, and, and, and no one in particular, it's about making sure those coaches don't get an early look at who they're going to play. On the men's side, you kind of trust that they've got other things to do, and, and they're not going to take advantage of that information for 12 hours. Is that a fair assessment, and, and how would you – lobby maybe the women's side to take that mo that take your idea yeah so dave my experience you know because obviously my first year on the committee we we got in right and uh and you, you get down it well that first year yeah and we yeah. advanced so yeah. to be honest dave i sat off the call on selection for about half that call because my team was quote-unquote on the board right and then i was not involved at all in the bracketing okay you were um, Thank we you. were not. And, and Ramapo got in that year as well. Chuck McBreen is on our committee. His team got in as well. Now, I did get the, the, the bracket earlier than it was when it was published. And I will tell you, I sat on it. I, I knew who we were playing and didn't tell my assistant coaches, didn't tell anybody else. I, I waited the extra 12 hours or whatever it was until everybody had that information. You know, Dave, this is an aside. This is an opinion. I think we should let coaches stay on those calls. We've invested that amount of time. I think it's a very odd thing for the committee to have somebody who has not participated in the process at all get invited into the call. Your replacement, he, essentially. He or, 
Yeah, and he or she's really only objective is to argue on behalf of the team who is they're representing. And it's an odd, it's an odd deal. And you know, I, I think we should allow the coaches to stay on the call when their teams are involved, their administrators, whatever the case is, because they've actually have way more knowledge about it. And the other nine of us are gonna hold uh, the integrity of the process in place. We're not gonna let that individual influence the process in a negative way. And to be honest, most of the people I know who are on these committees wouldn't be interested in in sacrificing their integrity just to get their team into the NCAA tournament. So that's my opinion. Nobody's nobody's asking me that. But since we brought the subject, I, I think we should let those coaches and administrators stay on the call and, and make sure that the rest of us police the process uh, for those individuals. Well, and, and one of the arguments on the bracketing side, is, and this is what I've heard from the women's side, and, and and by the way, Mike, thanks for clarifying that, because we do hear sometimes that everybody's involved and sometimes we hear they're not all involved. So I appreciate that update. Megan, on the women's side, I, the argument's been, listen, we don't want these coaches to have a 12-hour head start. You know, Mike said he sat on it. He didn't do any work with it. The, the idea, my argument back to that is trust the coaches. that They're on these committees because they've earned the right to be on these committees. If they're seriously going to take advantage of that situation, then you handle it. You know, you take you you go forward saying, "All right, you're off the committee from now on. We're never going to allow that to happen again." And and you make an example of it. I, I get worried when two or three people are saddled with the work, as you pointed out three years ago, because coaches are sitting on the sideline because we're worried that they're going to take advantage of it. Personally, I think coaches would rather sleep. Yeah, and I'm not sure um, they're not left out of the whole process. No, I think certainly. it's more of the actual bracketing, and then they still get it early. They still see it early. We do a, another look with the committee to make sure they've all looked it over and we haven't missed anything. Um, so, so we're doing our due diligence with those committee members, I feel like. Um, but I, I do get your point, and I think it's helpful to have more administrators so it, it doesn't fall on a few people in terms of the actual bracketing, but they're not completely left left out of the dark. We, we bring them back in, we circle them back. They certainly have it ahead of time. They're certainly asked to keep that information close to the chest and not share it with their staff or their student athletes. Um, which, which I think, like you said, they're investing a lot of time to serve on these committees for nothing, right? They're right. doing it because they want to get it right. They want to put a great championship to, together for the student athletes. Um, so I do think we can trust them in, in that regard. Yeah. I certainly don't want to go down the rabbit's hole that I know is there, uh, but it's interesting you say that they still get a look at it because I was told, no, that they pretty much don't. So, well, again, it changes over the years. So it could, could just be different versions of the same story. Um, Megan, I'm curious, women are getting, well, last I checked, unless something's changed, they're getting some money this year to make sure that the championship at the very least is going to get the same treatment the men's has. This is kind of a spinoff. I don't want to say directly because of what happened in D1 last year. I know it's been discussed for a while prior to that. I think it's just timing. But to try and get the Division Three women's championship game on CBS Sports Network, just like the men's game is, unless something changed and I missed it, and we all know I've been spending three weeks where I've, my mind's been on tennis, um, that's a significant move forward for women's basketball. Should it happen? Cause it's getting that opportunity to get more eyeballs, uh, with the CBS treatment as it were. Yeah, for sure. We're super excited about this. Um, we were the only championship that wasn't televised. And so for the women's game to get this opportunity, uh, to be broadcast, I think was huge. I think you're right. 
Um, you know, the timing of it comes off of what happened with the division one championships last year. And we are already contracted for the joint championship with CBS in Dallas next year. So this was kind of, this year was kind of a bridge, um, for us to kind of get our, our championship televised, just like, uh, the men's just like division two is. Um, so we're super excited about it. Um, and it's a great opportunity for our game. Uh, you bring up Dallas. A uh, good reminder, you guys will do the joint championship, what we missed out in 2020 uh, of the Atlanta go. This is the second go around for the women. Uh, I use that as a segue, Mike. Has there been any talk to try and make up for that miss in 2020? Yeah, it won't be made up. Uh, I think I have this right. I think our next joint championship is is on uh, tentatively on the schedule for 2026. I believe that's so. Better, it, yeah. it will not be made up. Um but of the many things we were disappointed to miss, uh, that was, you know, that's a pretty unique experience. Um, and to not be able to do that in Atlanta was was disappointing. Especially with one heck of a championship bracket. Uh, we will talk about that for years and years to come, for sure. Uh, I know it's early. We're going to be talking a lot about this come the end of January and into February. But rankings, we, for someone like me, I know it backwards, inside out, forwards. It's really a sickness. Uh, for you all, I know it's it's a plague, uh, but just a reminder, it's simple. We have basic criteria. Your win-loss against Division Three, your your SOS against Division Three, your opponents versus regionally ranked opponents in Division Three, and I'm saying Division Three a lot of times because it's your D3 games. Too many people think all their games count. Is there any nuance, Mike, I'll start with you, that, that coaches that – you keep running into still don't quite understand about how this works. Yeah. I don't know that there's nuances. I, I think, um, I think once you've worked with the numbers, Dave, you do get a, a much stronger understanding of what is rewarded um, in the process. And, and quite simply what gets rewarded is quality wins. You, you need to beat quality opponents and, and that, you know, that, that gets um, that's checks a lot of boxes and really a, a quality win against a non-conference opponent uh, because really the, the secondary criteria that most often comes into play is your non-conference SOS. And so those are the types of things that get rewarded. And so when, people, when coaches ask me, you need to risk a little bit um, to really boost your resume. You need to go and play some programs that you might lose to uh, and risk that in order to get the win. So that, that is a real simple formula that gets rewarded over time. You know, when I look at the criteria, I think the one criteria that I, I always mention when given the opportunity to is the one that a lot of times when people who are following the process miss a little bit because it's hard to get the information is results versus common opponents. And that's because unless you know somebody's resume really well and their schedule, you may not know if you compare Wheaton and Wisconsin lacrosse, how many common opponents do we have? Um, but that pops up and ends up uh, really being a deciding factor at times um, when we're comparing teams in region and occasionally nationally, you get an outlier here or there. And so that's the criteria that sometimes doesn't get uh, observed as closely as those of us on the committee observe it, because obviously we're getting the information directly. So that's probably what I would add. And I would just tell people, and Megan will confirm this, we use the criteria and nothing else. And so sometimes people think that we're creating some sort of eye test or some sort of we use the criteria and anything else that gets discussed, we don't use. And so you need to know what that criteria is and, and try to take advantage of it as best you can. 
Oh, so there's there's no uh, QOWI or RPI that you're just making up on the spot, Mike, and just throwing it in there for the fun of it? No. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes people think we're having, you know, side door conversations and creating criteria. And it's it's not any of that. The criteria is what we follow to the best of our ability. Now, obviously, we have to discern numbers and which numbers are better or worse. So there is a, you know, there's a subjective part to this. But we aren't bringing in outside information. Um, it's the criteria. That's yeah. what we use. Uh, Megan, from your perspective, anything that you notice that coaches or even administrators don't fully grasp, or is it somewhat the same? I think it's pretty similar. I, I would say the most common misconception is just your strength of schedule. And, you know, a lot of calls or upset coaches or administrators will be undefeated um, with a really, really low SOS. And when you're talking a team, you know, we're 20 games into the season, you got a team that's 18 and two versus 20 and all with the, you know, two losses against ranked or, you know, and some of those things are hard, but it's just, you know, you've, you've got to get some of those quality wins. Like Mike said, to some degree, a loss against a really good team is better than um, wins against easy opponents. And I'm, I'm being very generic there. But that's basically what it comes down to outside of your conference. Obviously, you can't control your conference to some degree. You got to do something outside your conference. And Mike Yeshiva has been our prime example of this for the last few years. They certainly have gotten the message and done their best to improve their schedules. Uh, they'll take on Illinois Wesleyan, which is turning more and more into an absolute slobber knocker of a game coming up over the holidays. I'd really love to move that to Vegas, but I don't think I'm going to get away with it. Um, but Mike, it, you know, a team like Yeshiva came on the doorstep of taking their first loss or their second loss. Like we had the Lancaster Bible example of your eons past and, and being on the, on the outside looking in, what do you normally say to coaches like that who are in a boat where part of it is their conference have absolutely hosed them. And I mean that bluntly and on the flip side have got to find a way to, to do better with their out of conference. Yeah, I think there's two, you know, there's two reasons that that teams struggle to put together a really a good non-conference schedule. Obviously, you can't control your conference. That is what it is. You can control your non-conference schedule to some degree. You know, there are teams that struggle to play a good non-conference schedule because of geography. And simply, there are teams out west, teams sometimes in the south, that have a hard time budgetarily, you know, playing teams that are they're going to be quality opponents out of their league just because of proximity. There aren't very many Division Three teams. Um, you know, the one we often deal with on the men's side is somebody like Pomona Pitzer, um, yeah. who uh, who has to travel or have people travel to them to really upgrade their schedule. And then the other reason is either teams won't play you or you won't play other teams. Um, you know, that one's a difficult one to deal with, uh, particularly for those of us who are in division three heavy locations, there's really no reason for me at Wheaton not to play a quality schedule. There are just so many D3 programs, you know, within my backyard that are really good. And so the only thing I would tell people like Yeshiva, and obviously they've done that this year, is you, you've got to find ways maybe to travel um, uh, and reach out to some of us who, who traditionally play a pretty good schedule and, uh, and try to figure out a way to make those games happen. Uh, you know, a team like Pomona was just at University of Chicago yep. uh, playing a couple games. Nebraska Wesleyan, who's another team that's a little bit isolated, came out and played in our tournament. And you just need to try to find a few games against quality opponents who you anticipate are going to be regionally ranked or you're going to get an SOS. Even if they lose to Illinois Wesleyan, they're going to get Illinois Wesleyan's right. 
SOS numbers, right. and which will be really good. And so they need some of that just to build the other part of the resume because their league probably won't provide it. Yeah. Megan, I, I, listen, we know it's the same on the women's side. The problem on the women's side is there's less losses normally. You, you don't deal with as many losses traditionally. We'll find out this year. And so the margin of error is even tighter. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, back on my first time on the, the rack, you know, we wouldn't talk about teams five or six losses, you know, mm-hmm. those would get put aside. So definitely smaller margin of error. Um, but, you know, you have to take that risk to get some of those games. Otherwise, you're, you're not doing yourself any favors either. Either So, you know, it's one of those risk reward. Yeah. Um, so smaller margin of error, but it's definitely worth getting some of those teams on your schedule. And I bring it up now, not because we're talking about this come down the road. I mean, obviously this won't become a factor and a real hot topic until late January and and February, but I bring it up now because coaches are scheduling for next season. And so heed the warning, do better by your schedule as best you can. Doesn't mean every single game has to be a, a world beater, but get some good numbers in there. And what I always say is try and diversify your conferences don't don't dip into the same conference four times trying to better your numbers because at some point it's just going to become a wash and it's going to start hurting you. Dip into multiple conferences four times and try and tap into all four of those sets of numbers to try and to try and prove things. I can't believe I've gotten this far without bringing up the next topic, but I've been good and I'm not starting with Mike, who nearly I I didn't want to talk to anymore. But the first regional rankings this year have the option of being alphabetical. I emphasize the word option. If, if a committee wants to make them optional and, or go with that option and, and go alphabetical for the first week, they're allowed to. I believe everybody in the fall did. I can't imagine anybody else won't, except maybe men's basketball, even though it was their idea. Hint, hint, Mike. Uh, Mike and I talked about this off air. Megan, I want to start with you. Present an argument, because I know what Mike's is, and I, and I don't want you to steal from his. Uh, present an argument why the alphabetical order makes sense for the first regional rankings that we're going to see. In other words, we're not going to see one through eight. We're going to see A, B, C, D, etc. Why is that a, a, an okay thing for our rankings? Sure, I'll make an argument for it since you asked me to. Um, I would say just because that first week... Um, we don't have results versus ranked opponents in there. So I'm not sure we, we want to get it right. We're using the other criteria. Um, but I think it's important for us to, to nail down who should be ranked. Um, and then that next week when that results versus rank comes into play, that gives us another another criteria to be able to evaluate those teams on. So um, this was actually a great question. I didn't realize that it came from the men's basketball Oh, committee. it did. It, yes, it, it did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but, but I would say that's, you know, we we do, it's early. We're doing our due diligence, trying to get them ranked right. And, you know, that's one less thing. If, if we get them ranked, then we get that results versus rank coming into play next the following week. And and I'm, I'm being a little jokey here because Mike and I have talked and I had a great conversation with Mike because I saw men's basketball's name on it and it surprised me. Because I thought this was kind of a slap in the face of transparency. We're, we're not going to show you who we have ranked. Of course, then the real fear was, you know who's ranked. You're going to work off of that. You're just not telling us who's ranked in what order. Um, Mike has corrected me very much so. And I've said that on our, our podcast um, crossover with Pat Coleman at D3 Football uh, that I understood it better. Mike, you've probably had some feedback since once the fall kind of rolled out and everyone's all of a sudden – 
hadn't read what they read earlier and saw the reality of things. What has feedback been like and what has been your kind of uh, retort to people? And even if you want to tell them your retort to me. Yeah, Dave, I appreciate that. And, and Megan hit it. You know, the, the reason we proposed it is really simple. And that is uh, we have five primary criteria and that first regional ranking does not contain it all. It, it, it actually leaves out one of the most important sure. um, pieces of criteria, which is results versus regional ranked teams because prior to that first ranking there are no regional ranked teams so we actually created in that first ranking and so to be honest we would put out the ranking and immediately go this is wrong because we we're missing a criteria now that we've created regionally ranked uh teams um it it would look different if we could use that and so the, the analogy i use dave is is ranking the teams numerically without all the criteria is like trying to bake cookies without all the ingredients. It doesn't make sense. And it, and it, it, it isn't actually a cookie at that point. And so the regional <laughs> rankings numerically without all the criteria isn't a regional ranking. And so I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, whether people agree with it and want to do it in the future, I candidly don't care, but I think it's the right and best thing to do to make sure that we get it consistently right across the board Because as soon as we put teams in order, Dave, we're saying team A is more deserving at this point of an at-large bid than team B. Sure. And once we put them in order, that had better be true. But when the first regional ranking comes out numerically, it may not be. Right. So with that being said, Dave, the the critique I've gotten back, which you provided, one is it feels like we're taking a regional rank away uh, because one of the weeks is now numeric or alphabetical instead of numeric. And why don't we use the practice ranking as a pre-ranking? And I think that's a wonderful idea, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. So I wish, you know, I, I don't think we can do it this year because, you know, that the ship's already sailed. Sure, sure. Right. But if yeah. I had, if anybody cared, you know, made me czar of Division Three athletics, I would do the, the practice ranking would become a pre-ranking. We would release it alphabetically with the sole purpose of providing that one piece of criteria to now use in our first official ranking, which would become numeric. I think that's a great idea, Dave. You dubbed the the term pre-ranking. I've completely stolen it. Um, <laughs> and when people ask, I think it should be a pre-ranking. And we could do it. I think the women could do it. Our practice ranking is important, but I think we could produce an alphabetical ranking from our practice ranking that we would use in the future. The other critique is the fear that we have a numeric ranking that we're using that we're not telling you about. And, and we do have a numeric ranking, but we're not using it. In other words, I don't know how to rank eight or nine teams without having a 10th team that we decided not to rank. So there's got to be some numeric internal numbering that we're using to determine who the eight or nine teams are that we're going to list alphabetically. But we're not going to take those numbers into consideration going forward. It's just used to recognize that if you're going to have eight teams, there's got to be a ninth. And so there's got to be some way to, to numerically uh, identify the eight who get in and the ninth that did not. So um, I like it. I think we should have done it as a pre-ranking. I think that's a tremendous critique of it. And I would vote for that going forward. But I don't like I, I actually feel Dave releasing the numeric ranking without all the criteria was actually more misleading. We were giving you more information that was less accurate. Than what we're doing now we're giving you less information but is actually more accurate we're acknowledging we actually can't put them in a numeric order without the entirety of the criteria and, and i'll say when you presented it to me that way it certainly made a lot more sense than how it got written up by many other people 
you know, without that nuance, as it were. Megan, uh, he's yeah, he's stolen the idea. I am working with my trademark uh, lawyer about it, but I don't think I'm going to get this one. Uh, but the pre-ranking idea, I, I know I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it, but what's your thoughts having heard that idea? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a, a great way to do it. And I think we've seen so many changes when we did numerically. Oh, absolutely. Week one to two, and then yeah. you had coaches how did this happen? We, you know, we won two games this week. How did we go from two to yeah. six or, you yeah. know, whatever. So it makes a ton of sense. Um, I like the pre-ranking idea. Um, I, I think it just gives us a, a fresh start. We have that. We use all the criteria right from the get-go. Yeah, there's four shows in February that if you want to tune in and hear chaos, those are the four to tune into explaining why. Yeah, so I get the point. I certainly do. Um before I let you go, and I, I've taken a lot of time, Megan, I know you're very busy, and we got to talk to Mike about his team. You're lucky. I don't have to talk about your team. Uh, and by the way, we do miss you in the coaching ranks. Um, I'll, I'll admit, I think you did leave early, but we all know the reason why, and, and it was certainly a very good one. Um, is there, do you two as committees work together? I mean, there's examples of where they don't, and there's examples where they do. Men's and women's soccer, almost synonymous. Almost synonymous. There's times they may split. And certainly they aren't picking for each other. But when things are decided, men's and women's soccer is absolutely together. Championship sites, all of that stuff. That doesn't mean you guys have to be like that. But there's some other sports, I'm convinced, they're no, they don't talk to each other. How does the relationship between men's and women's soccer committees work? And what are you guys hoping to strive for maybe this year? Megan, I'll start with you just to give you the opportunity from your perspective. Yeah, I think uh, we have some more intentionality this year. We have some set meetings to make sure um, that we're working together. But I, I think historically we've worked really, really well together. And, you know, when you take a look at the Division Three basketball championships, we were more in sync than any other division. So I, I think we've done really, really great job of that, of giving our student athletes a great experience and kind of being in step with each other. Um, but we are going to meet um, – I think three times before the championship and we've already met once just to make sure we're in step with one another. That's certainly great. Mike, what's your hope and, and how do you also make sure that when it comes to hosting information, who is, who isn't, when it comes to men or women priority, all that is that nothing slips through like we see every once in a while. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the truth of the matter is uh, the men's and women's basketball committee um, I, I, I like Megan's term of we're more intentional about it now, which is we have we have scheduled several meetings as opposed to, to interacting when things came up. Um, uh -huh. We've sort of been more proactive now to say, hey, um, our committee, both both Megan and I will will do some of these types of calls with our NCAA liaisons just with us to make sure we're staying connected. And then we'll do a couple calls with the entire committee or as many of them as we can get uh, on a call. And it's, it's really more informative to make sure that if the women have an idea they'd like to do that we're aware of it and vice versa, doesn't mean we all have to do the same thing, but we do need to communicate with each other. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the gender equity report that came out really praised Division III mm -hmm. uh, and how well across the board um, our, our equity is better than most, but it, it doesn't mean we couldn't get better. Sure. And uh and so I think that's, you know, the, the hope is, I, I hope the women's basketball championship has their best championship ever. And I, I would want to support Megan in any way we could as the men's committee to make that happen. I would want, um, 
those student athletes to have an incredible experience. And I would venture to guess Megan feels the same way back. And if we can support each other in any way possible, we'd want to do it. So I like Megan's term. We're just more intentional about it now. A random question. Didn't mean to, I didn't think I'd ask it, but you kind of talked to, you both talked about kind of the, the, the camaraderie as it were. There's been scuttlebutt in the past. There's certainly been talk about it, but could there ever be a men's and women's basketball dual championship one site? We bring everybody in and let's just make a field day out of it. You want to take that, Megan? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think, could there be? Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure that it's anywhere in the near future or in light of everything, if, if quite honestly, that's what's best for the women's game right now. Sure. Um, like Mike said, you know, want nothing but the best championship for their student athletes and their coaches and the teams competing. Um, but I think a lot of times when you, you put us in the same place, um, it could magnify some things sure. or the support that the men's game may get more than the women's game at times. So I, do I think it could ever happen? Absolutely. Do I think it could be a good thing? I do. I'm not sure right now we're ready for it. Sure. That would be my opinion. Mike, I don't know if you have any follow-up on that. I'll give you the floor at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's certainly been conversation about it, Dave. And, uh, you know, I think, I think Megan's perspective is, uh, is valuable. I think the other thing it's, it's a logistical difficulty when you start talking about having yes. eight teams playing in the same, you know, we'd have to come up with some of the, the logistics of it to make the experience for student athletes really positive. Otherwise on, you know, that those practices, you're going to have somebody practicing at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and some of those things that, that the logistics of it uh, would concern me a little bit and how we would balance that and make it be a, a positive experience for all involved, but it's certainly being discussed. And I think if some of those logistics can get worked out, it's certainly not something that I think anybody would be opposed to. Um, but that's a lot of teams and, and a lot of teams' experiences. And so, um, you know, that, that would be my perspective on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, men's and women's soccer does it. They've been doing it for a number of years. It doesn't mean it's the right move for everybody. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't pretend. I mean, we have, a, I think, an 11.30 soccer game uh, starting things off on, on Friday, um, uh, you know, before four games in total. So it, it's not perfect. I was just kind of curious. Um, Megan, I'll get his answer later. So I'll, I'll go with you before we sign you off. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just want to thank you, Dave, for all you do and for Division Three basketball and for having me on tonight. And I look forward to many more conversations with you as the year progresses and uh, excited for this to get underway. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you're busy. Uh, I will look forward to chatting with you down the road. Uh, good luck. Uh, enjoy the holidays and enjoy as things start to ramp up. And we'll look forward to having you down the road. Mike, bear with us. We're going to take a break. I want to talk about your undefeated Wheaton team. Uh, and more. We are going to listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll take another break. When we come back, Mike continues to stay with us to chat about his team after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. 
to make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. Not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on this Sunday evening, running a little bit behind. Shocking, right? I mean, when, when do we not run behind? Uh, I want to thank the uh, coaches. Uh, well, I still call Megan Wilson a coach. Uh, she's an associate athletics director at Luther. But thank her and Mike Schauer for coming on the show, talking about the committee chairs. But we're going to continue our conversation with Mike because his team's undefeated, ranked number six in the preseason poll, likely to move up because they're undefeated, and teams ahead of them have taken a loss, including Marietta, who's 3-2. and two. Randolph Macon, who took their loss today in overtime to Christopher Newport, joining us on the Blue Frame Hoopsville Hotline. It is Mike Schauer once again, sir. Welcome back. Um, hey, listen, we didn't get a chance to talk last year uh, as you went through COVID um, and, and had an almost unblemished record. You come roaring into this year, you're now unblemished at 6-0. and We all remember the run you guys made in Fort Wayne and knock on a doorstep of playing in a title game. And then, not surprisingly, a step back. You lost one of the best players in Division Three history in Ashton Francis. But where is this coming from? I, I'll admit, I think last year I didn't know what to make of it until I saw you guys are 6-0 and this year, and I go, okay, maybe last year was legit. Yeah, you know, uh, that Final Four team, obviously Ashton was special by any, by any measure. But I, and I've shared this before, you know, we went right. So that was obviously March of, of 2019. We then went on an international trip to Zimbabwe in uh, in May of 2019. And so we had those NCAA permissible practices prior to that trip and pretty quickly realized that uh, Nami Adom was going to be a pretty special player. And the difference was he, he finally got the basketball. That 2019 team, Luke Peters and Aston Francis had the ball in their hands all the time, and rightly so. I, I make no apologies for doing that. <laughs> but once once Ye got the ball back in his hands, um, he just blossomed. And we could tell pretty quickly 
we had a, a pretty special player here. Um, and that's obviously come to fruition. He has just blossomed into a tremendously talented young man and a, and a great leader and a, and a great teammate. And, um, and, and Tyson Cruikshank and Kate Alley, Athens, some other guys have just grown into really, really good players. And so, uh, honest with you, Dave, I don't know that I am as surprised. We knew pretty quickly we were going to, we were going to have a pretty good roster, uh, for several years, even without, without Aston and with him graduating. So, um, you know, we've, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. And like I said, we, we knew pretty quickly we had some players returning that were going to eventually be pretty good. Again, last year, you know, COVID made a challenge for everybody. You, you certainly had a, a spectacular season in, until the end. And, and not that the end wasn't spectacular. It's just, you know, you guys going undefeated had a lot of people scratching their heads. It's interesting to get that background. You talk about the, the, the trip overseas to get that. And I hear that from a few, a few coaches that the overseas trip allows their teams to bond. And and sometimes you hear it; it's because of a, a trip to well, it's Las Vegas or it's to Florida or something for a tournament. But what is so important about the overseas trips that, outside of the extra practice time that you get, what is it about it that helps your team get better? Like if you were to try and sell that point to another coach, how would you do it? Yeah, for us, it's pretty simple. You know, we do them a little differently than some because we're given the uh, unique um, perspective of, of Wheaton College as a Christian college. We right. do it a little bit more kind of as a basketball missions trip. So we do some some service projects and that sort of stuff uh, in addition to playing games and, and the traditional sort of sightseeing. And, um, you know, if you're visiting a unique country to, to sort of experience their culture and some of the, the things that they have to, to offer and experience. But it's, Dave, what it is, it's just the shared experience of something that is really unique. Um, you know, Zimbabwe is a, is a beautiful and wonderful country, and our guys got to experience that together. Um, and so it's, it's the shared experience that, that bonds your team. It's like any other shared experience that you have with other people that, that you know, draws you closer together um, and bonds you in a way that um, – that's unique and special. And, and so I'm a huge proponent of those trips. And if, if uh, programs can afford it and find the time to do it, I would strongly encourage it. Dive in a little bit more about your team. You talked a little bit about who, who are the, the players that, you know, that, that jumped out at you for, for varying reasons. Of course, I can go to the stat sheet. That's not that hard to do. I can see that uh, Adam is scoring 24 points a game and you've got, and I'm going to probably butcher names. I apologize, but Chris Shank at, 17 points a game, 16 points a game from Kate. Uh, Elioth. Say it again? Elioth. Oh, oh, interesting. Elioth. I like that. Uh, and then nearly double digits also from Const- on Constantine. I'm not saying that's probably how it's going to shake out. It's six games in. There's a lot to play, and, and things will settle a little bit. But that's a lot of points from a lot of guys, but it's not the only ones. To dive in on this. Who, who are you seeing here? What, who's, who's suiting up as a Thunder? Yeah, so we, you know, Dave, we've actually gotten to six and zero. We've had a little bit of adversity. We actually have three guys that would probably be in our rotation who are hurt. Um, Colin Uvegas is was a starter a year ago and has missed the last four games with an injury. Um, we have Andrew Williams who uh, has played for us a bit over the last couple of years is out with an injury, and uh, and then another rising senior who I think would be Blake Foley who would be in the mix. He's been he's been out with an injury, and so we've actually played. Um, Eddie Scott and Nick Chavello and, and uh, Eli Considine minutes have gone up and some others who have really 
uh, stepped in and played really, really well. And so some of the critiques we've gotten over the years is that we're not a particularly deep team. And that just isn't the case this year. Um, most people know about the two football players who are, are now joining us uh, a little bit earlier than maybe we hoped uh, <laughs> sure. um, with, with their loss on Saturday. Yeah. But Luke Anthony and Spencer Peterson, you know, they both played significant minutes on our final four team. And, uh, you know, Luke is our you know, third leading scorer a year ago. And so we're getting them back when they get back into the mix and actually start to play is a little bit uh, yet to be determined. But the the experience these other guys have gained by playing in these six games, uh, both with the with because of the injuries and because Luke and Spencer weren't here, we're now a really deep team, and uh, and so that depth uh, will be a significant significant positive uh, for our team. And you know, I I really like my roster. The top of our roster is really good. Nami Adome. Uh, is as good a guard. Tyson and, and Ye are as good a combination of guards, really, as anybody has. So, you know, we're really good. You know, our, so is our league. So are we better than the, the teams in our league? I have no idea. But I know against the bar, we're a pretty good team. Well, talk about the depth. I look at the roster, and one thing that jumps out at me, and I've never seen this, is anyone knows in basketball, you can use numbers zero through five. You can't use six, seven, eight, and nine. You don't use numbers in the 40s, and you don't use numbers in the 50s. But you use every other number but 14. Uh, well, and zero, I guess. 1 through 5, 10 through 15 minus the 14, 20 through 25, and 30 through 35. You're using every number almost that you can, sir. That's a lot of numbers and a lot of jerseys to be out there. That's I don't see that that often. No, and Dave, it's really a, it's a, it's a result of the COVID bylaw and extra eligibility right uh because uh you know when we were starting to talk about it and some of our our seniors decided they would like to come back for another year um i certainly wasn't going to discourage that and uh i wasn't going to cut returning guys simply because uh you know the older guys decided to to use the the waiver and come back um and i need a freshman class because eventually these guys will graduate and move on and so we are carrying a bigger roster than normal um, and so eventually that'll even back out, but it's really the result of the fact that, uh, like a lot of people, we have, we have more than just four recruiting classes in the program right now. The other thing that jumps out at me, maybe I've missed it. Um, I know you've had a little bit of spread, especially in the new England and East, um, and, and certainly the central part of the country, but I see South Carolina, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Illinois, Texas, Colorado, California, Indiana, uh, Florida, Wisconsin, uh, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Missouri. You feel like, I feel like you've got a bigger, bigger spread than you used to have. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, you know, Dave, we, we are a national institution, sure. um, really recognized as one of the top Christian colleges in the country. And so we are able to recruit kids all across the country. It's one of my favorite things about Wheaton is, uh, other than my son, nobody's really from here. I guess Luke Anthony as well. I mean, we have, most of the kids are, are not from here. They're from someplace else. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I really enjoy that part of it. Um, and I enjoy going into homes across the country and presenting kind of a unique opportunity a week where, you know, we're just a little bit different institution than most. Um, and it gives us a little bit of advantage. We have some disadvantages. One of the advantages is we are recruiting some young men that that nobody else in our league is going to be able to recruit. And so we get we have an opportunity where you occasionally can get an Aston Francis and people like that who are not from the Midwest, but are really, really good players. 
Uh, CCIW schedule is around the corner. You start off on the road four straight. Carthage, Elmhurst, Carroll. Then you're going to host Illinois Wesleyan. That's all before the break. Uh, you'll get a couple non-conference games in uh, as well before you get back to conference play. You're heading to Nashville for a group of games. By the way, there's a great tournament in Las Vegas if you've never heard of it. Uh, I know oh, you're a Christian there. college and all, but uh, it's okay. Uh, it's a good place. Anyway, what do we make of the CCIW this year? Because, I mean, listen, we always know it's tough, and we always know the top teams are going to be good, but Augustana isn't how it used to be. Great Giovanni's left. They've gone through already a coach uh, and have their second on their way there. Illinois Wesleyan certainly looks like a world beater, but we always get surprises. What's your take on the conference this year? Yeah, I think it's loaded. Um, I, you know, nobody's giving me a top 25 vote, but Illinois Wesleyan's the best team I've seen. Um, uh, you know, I think their wins are, are awfully good. Um, I think Oshkosh is as good as anybody I've seen. Mm. And, and that win by Wesleyan is significant. And yet the depth of our league, you know, you've got, um, you know, guys in our league that are back for, for fifth or sixth years yeah. because of injury and then the COVID issues. And so, you know, I think we open at Carthage. I think Carthage is really, really good. And, you know, even Augie, nobody's going to be as good as Augie has been the last 10 years. Sure. That's a hard thing to do. They're still very good. Um, obviously, have a win against Dubuque. They're mm -hmm. very good. Um, you know, our league is just really deep and there are no easy nights. There are no gimmies. And so... Uh, I always tell people for about 350 days a year, I really like it. Um, those other days we have to play it. I don't, uh, you know, it makes for some stressful days. But um, one of the reasons I came back to Wheaton um, from Gordon was the fact I wanted to play in the best games Division Three has to offer. And our league does that um, from time to time. You have the best league, best best game in the country from time to time on your schedule. And, and I enjoy that and the challenge of trying to beat literally the best teams in the country. You know, and looking at your schedule, too, outside of the CCIW, you started with Benedictine. You had a game against Lake Forest, Ohio Wesleyan, Eau Claire, Chicago, Ripon, all good programs. Uh, still ahead, Olivet, Barry, Edgewood, and one to be determined before you get back in a conference. But you almost took a bit of your own advice, even though coming out of the CCIW, you don't have to put together that toughest schedule. Yeah, but I, I mean, I am a believer in the fact that you've got to get, you know, the non-conference schedule, given the criteria is worth a lot. And, um, it both, it both, it, you pick up some regionally ranked wins, potentially you pick up results, uh, against common opponents, potentially, and your non-conference SOS does come into play, uh, quite a bit. So, um, you know, I, and I really like playing quality programs too. I mean, it's, it, uh, it challenges us. And I just don't know that there's another way to prepare for our league. So you might as well go play quality programs, um, and, and kind of find out where you are pretty quickly. Sure. Well, hey, I appreciate all the time you gave us, nearly an hour. That was not what I promised you. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Uh, I flew, by the way, in and out of Chicago on the way home. I did, I did wave at all the CCIW and non-CCIW teams as I went overhead. I couldn't pick them all out, but, but I waved. Um, appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Uh, I know we'll catch up, especially in your committee chair, position uh, off air and on air and all that jazz but in the meantime as always we give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in yeah well first thanks dave always for the, the amount of time you put into promoting uh, division three basketball uh, that's appreciated and valued secondly i'm always available uh whenever whenever you want to talk uh, about our 
our rankings, alphabetical or numerical. Uh, I'm always available and uh, we'll hop on any call. Like I've said before, I don't think we're dealing with national security here. I'm willing to discuss any and all things related to the work of the committee uh, within reason. Um, so I'm always available and just excited for our season and, and uh, looking forward to the, the numerous times we'll connect here uh, in the coming months. Definitely. Hey, thanks so much. Great job on the start of the season. Thank you for the work on the committee as well and, and being open. Uh, you and I do have several calls uh, 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 randomly, too. They're always random. They're never, they're never pre-understood. But good luck the rest of the season. I know we'll talk soon and uh, take care during the holidays. Great. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Mike Shower joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Zoom hotline. Appreciate him taking the time, all of that time, to chat with us. If you missed any of that chat with him and Megan, please go back and, and listen. Great insight from them. We'll get more insight from them later in the season. And they're Wheaton men basketball off to a good start. They'll be in the top tw- top five in the uh, – well, there'll be two CCIW teams in the top five, I suspect, uh, when we look at the top 25 when it comes out next week. Going to take a break. Change gears completely. We're going to head to New England, and we're going to talk about a shift in c- coaching hires and why that ended up as the first black – Coaches Classic held this weekend. We're going to talk to Mass Boston's head coach. Uh, you're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Please join us when we come back. It's a good chat. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here. College basketball experience at Sprint Center. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline, it is Mass Boston's head coach, Jason Harris. He can't see me, but you all can see him. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Lots to talk about because we haven't even had a chance to talk to you for taking over the Mass Boston program. But let's start with the simple fact. You decided to have the the Black Coaches Classic this year. And the only coaches and programs involved were Black Coach-run programs. 
to some degree, that seems like a really obvious and simple idea, but it probably wasn't, is my guess. Yeah, it, it uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, thanks for all the work you do. Um, it's an honor to be here in Hoopsville. Um, but yeah, the, the idea seems fairly simple. Uh, you know, right away, I kind of knew we were onto something big when, when I approached two or three people with it and their jaws kind of dropped like, oh man, that's a, that's a great idea. But to be honest with you, I can't take all the credit for it. Uh, you know, like most people, I spent a lot of the last uh, 600 days on Zoom, probably too many hours on <laughs> Zoom. And from that, I was able to kind of be in groups and be with other coaches, minority coaches from, from much higher level programs and just, you know, guys that I usually wouldn't have the opportunity to kind of sit down with and pick their brain and talk about non-basketball stuff with. So a lot of it came from that. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the credit needs to go to Gene Bain at Brandeis, uh, Brandon Linton at Tufts, um, and Coach Devin Mayo over at Leslie because those guys in theory said yes to a blanket idea without a date, without an opponent. Uh, you know, Coach Mayo at Leslie said, yeah, I'll play Tufts, no problem. You know, like, and, and credit to that guy too because, you know, you would have looked at it and said, okay, Brandeis versus Tufts and then Leslie versus UMass Boston and uh, Devin was on the same on the same uh, board as I was when he was like, no, man, let's let's go after these guys. Um, what a great event to have a, a top 25 team and a top 11 team in the event. You know, so it's not you know, we could have had the event with Framingham State and, you know, UMass Boston sure. and, and, and some of the other programs. But to have two top 25 programs uh, said a lot about their departments, uh, said a lot about them as men, too. So I'm just thrilled to be a part of that. And. Uh, and just kind of expand the program. I've certainly run tournaments where lots of teams want to be involved. It's hard sometimes to pick out. The advantage of being the host is you get to be in it. Um, otherwise, you're not hosting it. Um, but how, you know, I'm sure you got, well, you kind of hinted at it. You, you got many who reached out, others who certainly thought the idea was grand. I know you've already had inquiries about future years. How hard was it to, to kind of whittle it down to those four teams and to go from there and, and I'll ask the little question. Could it expand? Yeah. So, it, I mean, it was, it was, it was hard to whittle it down to those guys. Uh, but initially the idea was, Hey, there's seven of us before coach Rayner left uh, Framingham state. There were seven of us in state. And so it was like, Hey, if we could get six of those guys in one gym, you know, with six uh, referees or six officials of color as well, uh, then that would be a really cool event. Uh, unfortunately we weren't able to get uh, six or seven, but we were able to get four and we got two really good games out of it. Uh, and, you know, the need for this event comes from uh, once I realized, like, hey, we could expand this event to the women's side because the numbers are just as uh, depressing and, and need to, yeah. to change. Uh, we can talk about this at Division Two and Division Three uh, and Division One as well. So I, I see it as a national event. I see it as an event with women's basketball tied into it. Um, you know, it could be it doesn't have to necessarily be at UMass Boston. I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, one of the reasons we need this classic and i think there'll always be a need for the classic uh is you know i went through every single division three school in the country when i was sending out emails for next year just trying to gauge interest and dave i think i sent 35 emails yeah so i i mean we know how many division three schools there are no, but let's be honest me, it's 440 450 yeah 50 and i sent out 35 emails and, yeah. and maybe i missed five or ten uh but i'm sure you know i hit probably 90 percent of them and i gotta tell you the encouraging thing was is out of the, out of the 35 emails probably 28 of them got back to me right away. Like, yes, you know, yes. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know how we're going to get it done logistically, but yes on the idea. Yes. On the concept. 
so that's exciting. Um, you know, I said it yesterday during the event. Year one is big to brand, but I think year two, it's time to expand. That's a great way of saying it. I don't know if this question is going to come across right, so please forgive me if it doesn't. But Division Three doesn't have any HBCUs. It could have if they decided to hold on to Wesley down there at Delaware State, but that's a whole other tangent of a conversation. So I think it's even more significant because it's not that it's a slam dunk, but it's not HBCUs. This is this is quote unquote traditional colleges. This is the non HBCU angle of things. And agreed, not hiring enough minorities, but at the same time, there is a movement afoot, at least that we've seen in the last couple of years, including in places like the NESCAC. It it feels like maybe we're at a crossroads. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, they say sports are sports are used to kind of navigate, you know, all sort of different cultural yeah. issues. And sport is the great, you know, the great uh, icebreaker. Whether people you want, want it or not, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, so I, I hope that's the case. Uh, you know, like you said, in the HBCUs, that might have just been a doubleheader on a Thursday. Right. Uh, but in New England and in Massachusetts, that that's not the case. That hasn't been the case. I was fortunate to take over for Charlie Titus, who had been here for 35 years. And, you know, anybody who grew up in Massachusetts or in Boston, I mean, you know, Charlie, Uh, he's just a a huge figure. He's a bigger, bigger than life personality. Uh, He's a great man. And so to be able to follow in his footsteps and kind of bring this here uh, made it a little bit more special to me as well. Um, So, you know, I mean, I'm just excited and I'm humbled. I'm I'm really, truly humbled, Dave, uh, with the reception that it got. And with the with the other guys that kind of just said yes, like we'll take this leap with you. Um, Tufts might not want to come back. Um, they didn't do so and well. We would have we swapped with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say you uh, you got a loss to Brandeis uh, on yours, but it was about the camaraderie. I know more than anything, and and obviously these are hard to to pull off. As you said, it would be great to expand, but initially, what would you love to? D- to, to improve upon for next year? Well, I'd like, I'd like for, uh, you know, some of these big sponsors to come in and help us make it possible to bring in sure. 16 teams and, you know, get them here and help offset the cost, you know, cause it is division three. Um, and I think that at, a, at most of our division three programs, we all have to wear multiple hats. And so to, you know, to pay for one team to travel up to Boston, you know, you might be taking away something from another program. Uh, so it's something that sponsorship, I think, would be huge um, in terms of the product on the court. I mean, I, I loved it. I want more games. I want more officials of color. I want more coaches. Pile them all in here. Let's make it a two or three day event. You know, I don't know how it would work. I know somewhere our facilities director is probably, you know, banging his head on the table. Like, what is he talking about? Um, but, you know, our our uh, our athletic department, our senior leadership in the university, their message uh, is crystal clear. They support the idea. Um, so why not, right? If they're willing to back it, and especially now, I mean, we spent 600 days off. So I spent 600 days, you know, just brainstorming and thinking about different ways to change my program. I wasn't able to practice with the guys. We didn't do any games. You know, I really felt like I was a kid who was grounded in timeout watching all of his friends play. I mean, six of the nine teams in the league played. There was a lot of teams that did play. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, I think part of my schedule making with Babson and Brandeis early after 600 days off was part of that. You know, like, I don't care. We're just, you know, we're happy to compete. We're happy to be here. We're fortunate and we're grateful. Again, I talked about this wave because one of the things that caught my attention, again, way before the 
the black coaches classic came to be was the fact that Amherst and Tufts and Bowden, um, and Brandeis was the start of it, you could argue. Granted, for horrible reasons, um, almost forced to do it, and you hate to say that, but the way that report went. Yeah, but you could say that, Dave, but they got a hell of a candidate in No, G. that's what I was going to say you know, was so. it, the way everything read, you needed to go in that direction, and, man, you got a good one. Yeah. So it worked out wonderfully. Um. But there is that move now, and I'd love to get your take on it because, yes, you, you followed Char- Charlie Titus, and at some institutions, it's ingrained. That, that, that African-American coaches is part of the, um, the fabric, as it were, at certain institutions. At others, it's not. But now we're starting to see that become part of the fabric. What's your take from your perspective on or am I being premature? Maybe I'm just being premature and I'm, I'm making more out of this than it really is. Well, I think there's a little bit of both of that. Um, I am optimistic and encouraged by Brandeis and Bowdoin and Tufts and Amherst, you know, and even like before that MIT, like, I mean, these are, these are some of the best institutions in the country, um, in the world. And, you know, they've chosen to have uh, men of color lead their, their organizations and be in charge of their most precious asset, which is their kids. Um, so, you know, for me, that's encouraging. That's very encouraging. I'd like to see more. I, you know, I'd like to see some more. I'd like to see more reach, maybe not just in, you know, some of these bigger cities and, uh, you know, some of these smaller schools in these rural areas. Because when you really think about it, Dave, some of these student athletes are on these campuses and they are so isolated. It is just them um, of student athletes of color. And, you know, it, it helps to have an assistant coach or a head coach, even if it's not in your sport. Uh, here at UMass, we started the student athletes of color. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's, you know, that's just something that I hadn't even thought of as a men's basketball player uh, because my teams were always at least half black, right? And the kids that were on my team had always grown up uh, around a lot of black kids. So um, at some of these other schools and other, and other sports, they don't have that. You know, the team's majority white, the coaches are majority white. Um, and so we've, we've started the student athletes of color for that as well. But, but to get back to you, it's encouraging. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping the wave continues. You saw it at a higher level. Uh, you know, sometimes you, you get nervous. You feel like sometimes these guys are set up because they're, they're getting bad jobs. Yeah. Um, but that hasn't been the case here in those jobs we just spoke about. Uh, the NESCAC jobs, the New England jobs that they're giving out. Uh, these guys are getting great jobs. I mean, these are, these are jobs that I know Division One assistants that would leave for. Well, it's, listen, and, and maybe I'm making more of this also, but Dave Paulson – who has D3 roots, went to D1 and had some success and, and was looking for you know new jobs, was a finalist for a lot of gigs that ended up going to African-American coaches. Bowden, Tufts, and some other places. It says a lot that a school says, hey, Dave Paulson and his resume is in front of us, but we're going this direction. Now, maybe there's half a dozen reasons why that happened. We don't need to go into the nuances. They still made that decision. Paulson's still not their head coach. That's got to say a lot. Yeah, I think that's the credit goes to those athletic directors who, you know, who had the uh, had the gumption to make that call. Right. And not go with the popular or the easy choice, the retread. You know, I think it takes a lot of guts for some of those ADs, Uh, some of the school presidents to kind of enable their athletic directors to go out there and be comfortable enough to I don't want to call it a risk, but to to make a non-conventional hire. And that's what, uh, unfortunately, it's been uh, hiring an African-American head coach has been a non-conventional hire up yeah. until recently. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that 
some of these athletic directors who have yet to make that plunge kind of kind of see the success that the Jeans and the Brandons are having, um, you know, and coach uh, at Amherst as well. So yeah. I'm slipping my my uh, my okay. mind for a second, but uh, coach here, Marlin. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm hoping that those guys kind of lay the foot the groundwork for that next wave of assistant coaches those next uh, players who are wrapping up those guys who were like me who are contemplating getting into coaching uh, but may you know may not have the financial wherewithal or the support if it's 50 50 and they're not sure if they want to do it so I kind of want us to be able I want one of the reasons I want sponsorship is because I want to be able to endow a small stipend hmm. and I want to be able to say hey any student athlete of color in any sport at your school, right, can get like $3,000 to try coaching for a year. If we can't, some of the, some of the excuses why we don't, we're not hiring more minorities is we can't find the applicants. Well, you have 50 of them in your, in your institution, on your campus. Fair. You can't tell me one or two of them aren't great kids that you can't cultivate into a coach. And sometimes it's just, uh, you know, it's just life. It's hard to get into coaching. It's hard to stay in coaching. Uh, so maybe if we can just kind of help them get the, that first taste, uh, maybe it's something that they'll realize they're good at, and maybe it's something that um, an institution can kind of support uh, that that young up-and-coming assistant a little bit more to kind of keep them involved. To that point, how much did the pandemic do you think hurt? And I, and I have had this talking point that the pandemic killed the the assistant coaching ranks because so many coaches had to either be let go or couldn't hold on or whatever the case was, and you lost some really good talent. And you bring up the fact that it's already tough to, as it is. Do you, are you worried that that the that, that assistant coaching ranks world, whether it be D1, D2, D3, NAIA, whatever, has been decimated, that, that some of this momentum might take a step back because of it? Uh, I don't know if I want to put assistant coaching hires in with the pandemic. I think every, you know, assistant coaching hires is just like everything else. It's all been affected by the pandemic. Um, th- there's the new normal. Yeah. And I think, it'll, I think it'll reset, honestly. Um, we had an assistant coach go and get a Division One job at Central Connecticut. <clears throat> so it still happens. Sure. Uh, we were able to replace them with two quality assistant coaches. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a concern. I mean, assistant coaching, all of it. But, I, honestly, I think a lot of head coaches that still have their, their job are grateful to still have their job. Yeah. Uh, to see some of these pro, uh, institutions that, you know, you weren't sure if they were going to be on the other side of COVID. And are, can we even say we're on the other side of COVID yet? You know, I'm, you know, as a coach, I'm nervous to always say, hey, this one's oh, wrapped no, up right. this one's in the bag, you know? Yeah. I just, uh, uh, Omnicron or whatever, the new, the new version. Yeah. Trust me. Every time I read a new, new article, I'm like, oh crap, here we go again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's one I'd love to your take on, you know, again, we talked about where it's already part of the fabric, like a mass Boston but it's not in some other places. Will these coaches get a fair shake at a Tufts, at a Bowdoin, and an Amherst, where, by the way, they, they hired like four African-American coaches in, in, in four hires at one point. Um, are they going to get as fair a shake as others? Do you fear they won't get as fair a shake as others because of it? Uh, you know, so at this level, I, I don't, I'm not too concerned about them. You know, there's not too many boosters driving buyouts fair. and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's the good old, the, you know, the good old boys club and things like that. But those guys that we just named, those are all really good men and they're better coaches. Yeah. So, 
they, they're going to get a fair shake, you know, because they're going to do a good job. Um, and I think if, if they didn't get a fair shake and I think they were moved on from, I don't think they'd be unemployed very long because I think another school in their league would probably, oh, let me go get him. You know, yeah. he's done a really good job. So I, I don't think those guys should worry about that. I hope that's not the case. Um, and, you know, then, then you'd have to think that the, the ADs hired him for some nefarious reason, and, I, and yeah. I just don't want to put, you know, I don't think guys would do that uh, no, or fair. athletic directors would do that. And, and maybe this is a shameless attempt just to get my bud, bud's name mentioned and an NABC mentioned, but does it also help that the head, you know, the top D3 NABC coach right now in terms of being on the NABC board is Gary Stewart, who who's African-American and helping kind of lead Division Three in a way? Well, uh, did it help that Barack Obama was president? Fair. You know, so, <laughs> you know, it's it's great, right? It's great to have. Yeah. Uh, coach Stewart does a great job, and, you know, it's a great program he's got down there. But, you know, I, I don't know. Is Coach Stewart making any hires? You know, like, is, is Coach Stewart hiring any athletic directors? Or, you know, so, I, like, I hope, I hope it matters. Uh, the whole purpose of the Black Coaches Classic, again, was just to – so our players and, and our fans and, you know, and young kids – the same way that I saw Doc Rivers and I saw yeah. uh, Mike Anderson and I saw Nolan Richardson and John Chaney and John Thompson. And yeah. those guys, those guys could look and say, hey, the head coach at Brandeis and Tufts, you know, or you could be an alumnus, right, and go back and play for your school like Devin Mayo at Leslie. Or you could coach a billion-dollar organization like the Celtics. Right. Um, or or maybe you're just a hiring manager, you know, for a, for a marketing company, sure. right, and it's between two, two people. And so you're going to give – uh, the other guy, a second look that you may not have given him, uh, maybe off of this event or hearing about this event or just seeing this segment on on Hoopsville, Dave. So I appreciate it. Well, hey, uh, if, if we can do a little part, I- I'm glad to do it. Uh, I know there's a coach down the road from you who's who probably would be happy to play in it, though I'm, I'm not going to speak for Larry too hard. Uh, but he and I have had conversations along these lines that you and I have talked about, and I've loved Larry's perspective, so I'm glad to get yours as well. Larry Anderson, my conversations are to ourselves. We're not putting them on air, though we've talked about doing that. Uh, I'm glad to get your perspective on that. And, and hats off on the Coaches Classic. Uh, unfortunately, I was stuck in Southern California, or I would have been tempted to, to maybe even get up there for it. Um, as a segue, how are you guys doing as a team? What are you expecting from, from your squad this year? What do you expect from the Little East this, this season? How, how are things shaking out, especially, as you say, coming out of this pandemic? Uh, you know, the Little East, having played in the Little East and spent, I don't know, maybe 15 years in it now uh, as a player and a coach, it's always it's always going to be up. You know, the question is going to be whether whether you're going to get a second team in uh, the tournament. You know, we were picked fifth this year. And, uh, you know, I told our guys, what are the, what do these guys know? Uh, we have we have three kids back, four kids back that anybody's ever seen. Everybody else uh, had junior prom the last time UMass Boston had a game. Uh, so we have, you know, eight freshmen. Uh, we're, we're better than I thought we'd be. Uh, we have two dynamic senior guards, Charlie and Charles Mitchell. Yes, Charlie and Charles Mitchell. Um, and those guys have been here what seems like forever. Uh, this is going on year six now because of the COVID redshirt. Uh, and, we, you know, we have a Malik Lorcan and a Tommy Burris, a junior and a sophomore. But after that, we have, we have eight or nine freshmen, and these kids are hungry. And freshmen can be uh, frustrating the coach at times. But at the other, you know, other times, you know, you talk and they're just hanging on every word because, you know, they don't know any, any, any other, any other way yet. They only know what you know. Um, so I'm excited to coach these guys. Again, we have two losses. One's the Babson and one's the Brandeis and combined it's under, I don't know, 13 points. So, 
I'll take those. We're past moral victories in our program. Um, you know, I expect us to win the Little East Conference this year. That's everybody's ex- ex- expectation in the program. Um, you don't you don't pick the year. The year picks you. But we prepare the same way every single year, every single day. Um, you know, we have we've had a hard time getting past the semis. Um, I've been here five years now, five seasons, and we've had a winning record every year since the first year. Um, so the program's absolutely trending up. Uh, you know, but we just got to get over that hump. We, you know, just got to get right over that hump and break through that door. Uh, but, you know, we had a Holy Cross win, Division One win two years ago, uh, which we still haven't seen anything on the site yet, Dave. Hey, hold on. I don't, if I remember correctly, it was a scrimmage for you. It was an exhibition for us. Yeah, what, that's why it wasn't matter? on the site, sir. Oh, technicality, right? Technicality. They paid us money and we won. There you um, go. Well done. Well done. So, you know, I'm, ex- I'm excited for us. I'm excited for our guys. You know, I don't know what the year is going to hold. I know our kids will play hard as hell every night. Our kids will guard. You know, we've had, we have some great program wins uh, since I've been here. Some top fives, some top tens, uh, some D1 exhibition wins, Dave. <laughs> but, you know, out, outside of that, we're missing one thing. Right? Well, we're missing two things, but we can't get the first without uh, – we can't get the second without getting the first. Yeah. That's winning the Little East Conference Championship um, and representing uh, the Little East in the, in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, that's why I get up every day and do what I do. Um, and I'm and I'm sure that's why the other eight coaches in the league do the same. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah, I, totally tongue in cheek. But we do kind of have a rule about exhibition versus real. It's a minor, minor, minor detail. Trust me, well, there that wasn't coaches- real, Dave. That that wasn't real. Well, no, because it didn't go on your record, sir. <laughs> okay, true, 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 true. <laughs> I have trust me. I have had conversations with coaches who've gotten wins, including the great Paige Moyer down at Roanoke. I'm like, that's great, but damn, we we can't put it as a win, like. What? Come on! I, I know you're getting the money, but take and it. My as a wife game. counted it as a win, and my mom counted it as a win. Yeah, exactly. Dave. No, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. No, and I get, I get the. It's risky too because you take the win for sure, but it's a loss if it's a real game, and that kind of hurts the resume per se. And, and I yeah, don't mean yours. I mean, the yeah, team. you're at 24 games then, and it could potentially hurt you down the line. Right. Um, I agree, I agree, but you know the way it's I tough. looked at it was. I'd rather play the two D one exhibitions oh, absolutely. Um, than, than two than two scrimmages. Oh, absolutely. You know, so we get a false sense of how good we are. Let's you know, let's go <laughs> let's go challenge them uh quickly. Right. But it's funny, since then we can't get a division one yeah, game oh, shocking, or an right? exhibition day. We can't even get an exhibition anymore. Yeah, day. no, they're all like, Yeah, we figured you out. Thanks anyway. Appreciate it. Uh we gave you cash. You you stole our cash. <laughs> and pizza. And pizza. Day. And pizza. And, pizza. and you gave us a loss. And now our conference has called and said, hell no, you're never doing yeah. that again. <laughs> I, I Listen, really appreciate your, your, your insight and take on things. Congratulations on the event. Um, as everything, I know it, it starts with shooting something on the wall and seeing if it sticks. And it obviously stuck. I love the, the uh, aspirations and the bigger ideas. It would be fun to see that come together. Uh, if I have a way of helping, I'll certainly do so. I don't have the ability to sponsor you, unfortunately, but... You know, maybe we can figure out something. But congratulations, pizza, Dave. No, post game pizza. I'm Dave. Post game pizza. Post game pizza. Okay, we might be able to talk about post game pizza. Now it's got to be Chicago style. Is that a problem in Boston? Hey, for sixteen teams, you can get it whatever you want, Dave. I, I, I don't have to buy as many pizzas because one will do a lot more damage than a normal pizza. <laughs> All right, I don't trust pizza outside of New England. See, so. there we go. Uh, I, I knew there was. Yeah, I, I heard that coming. I'm sorry. Outside of the Northeast, you got to yeah. keep uh, no, New York. I, in there. I get it. No, I get it. 
Hey, seriously, congratulations. Uh, bravo on the event. Um, hopefully we'll be able to talk more about it down the road. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about your team down the road as well. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who are tuned in? Humbled, honored, blessed, go Beacon. That's perfect. Well said, sir. Uh, again, congratulations. Take care of yourself. Have a great holiday. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to chatting with you down the road. Thank you. Absolutely. Jason Harris joining us from Mass Boston uh, and the Black Coaches Classic. Outstanding idea. Wish we could have done more about it, but uh, hats off to him. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show and remind you what we plan to do down the road. You're listening to Hoops Hope. I'm by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. Hey, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting back. Uh, maybe I'll just do it on air. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show. You can uh, always tune in to us, uh, no matter what, via our website, d3hoopsville.com. You'll have noticed that it, it now goes to our, well, it doesn't, but we certainly push to our Blue Frame Technology Portal. You can get that, whether it is on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, Amazon Fire TV, whatever it is, it's through the Team One Sports uh, app. Uh, we've got our own page there. You can even see the archives of shows, and you'll start to see the schedule once we start putting it together a little bit more solidly uh, of upcoming shows. You can also watch us on your computer, on your cell phone, uh, on any device. We're also streaming simulcast today on Facebook. May add another simulcast down the road. We're going to toy with the idea, and hopefully we'll get some things solved that we'll start uh, adding some added uh, commercial breaks uh, as well, a little bit extra flavor. I noticed at the beginning of the break, thanks to our buddy Luke, uh, said we had a, an ad looping, so you didn't hear anything of my introduction to my chat with Jason Harris. That's fine. The Jason Harris conversation was much better than my introduction, but I do apologize. To those of you on the, on the uh, 
podcast wondering what the heck I'm talking about it, don't worry about it. I edited that part out. Um, so on my tweet about the, the segment, one person tweeted back, egotistical and cocky. D3 coaches get paid and then used an exclusive, but I really kind of like this coach. Hashtag love. I'll say this much. Egotistical? No. Jason Harris wasn't egotistical. Cocky? Sure. Be, be cocky. He deserves to be cocky. I would say he's confident. And there's nothing wrong with that. That same attitude from other coaches people have loved. And we can name a long list of those coaches that people have loved that and not called him egotistical. But hats off to Jason Harris and what he's doing there. Really appreciate that uh, and what he's done. Uh, I really like what he's done. Um, and I appreciate him taking the time to join us about it. Um, so a reminder, new top 25 polls are out tomorrow. Um, there's been a slight change in the men's voting group and, uh, he's already tweeted about it, but I'll, I'll let you find it on his own, on your own. Several others have been tweeting. Matt Snyder said, put these teams in a hat and start drawing names to begin your D3 hoops, top 25 ballot. Amherst, Christopher Newport, Elmers, Illinois, Wesleyan, Johns Hopkins, Mount Union, Randolph-Macon, Wesleyan of Connecticut, Wisconsin Lacrosse, Wisconsin Oshkosh, Wisconsin Platteville, Yeshiva. Sure, I think we're leaving out some teams there. Amherst is an interesting one. I don't put a lot of stock in those first five games at Amherst. Uh, I would want more information on that. Um, Christopher Newport with two losses still look pretty solid, though. Um, hold on, I see I have some messages I may have missed. No, no, I didn't. Disregard. Um, what else did I see in that tweet? Um, lacrosse, maybe. Um, Oshkosh and Platteville, certainly. Randolph-Macon, certainly. Wesleyan, Connecticut. I mean, yeah. I'm going to go look at their schedule to start the season. 6-0 um, and with wins over Albright, E-Town, Elizabethtown, SUNY Purchase, Pratt, WPI, Drew. Eh. Listen, nothing against Joe Riley. He's just not a... Not a challenging schedule. Beat Albright 105-62. Beat Elizabethtown 85-61. Beat Purchase 109-60. Beat Pratt 87-25. Really? We're going to make a big deal out of Pratt? No. Um, the beat WPI 80-56. That might be significant if WPI is a strong team. I mean, they're 5-1. and one. That's their one loss. They have wins over Worcester State, St. Joe's of Maine, Colby, Mitchell, and Pittsburgh State. That's not exactly a huge schedule either. And a win over Drew. Okay, I don't put a lot of stock in Drew either. They're two and four in the season. So I, I'm maybe Wesleyan. I'm not sure I buy into that, Matt. Um, Mount Union certainly. Hopkins certainly. Illinois Wesleyan certainly. Elmer certainly. Probably. Probably. Yeah. No. 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 Absolutely with Elmer. Sorry. Christopher Newport. Yeah. Though near the bottom of my top twenty-five. And Yeshiva, of course. Uh, Bob Quillman's already put out his tweet. Uh, on who he's voting for. I'm not looking at it. I don't want to be influenced by my vote you know, on how he's voted. I don't want to be in influenced by anybody. That's just how I work. Um, uh, Matt, I will give you credit. I have seen several stats or uh, tweets of yours today specifically calling out schools who are not posting video and stat links at D3 Hoops. Um, thank you. I'll leave it at that. Um, you've had several, um, including one top five team in particular. Actually, he goes after a couple of top teams, to be honest. So uh, I, 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 I appreciate that effort, to say the least. Uh, when I was out in California, I was hoping to get to a women's 
basketball game featuring a top 25 team. No one knew this. I had only reached out to one individual about it, but I was going to try and get to George Fox versus uh, Pomona Pitzer. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I thought I had the day off that day. It turns out I was wrong. <laughs> um, by the way, Pomona Pitzer got the win 75-69, so I would have seen an interesting game. George Fox 2-3 and three on the season will fall out of the top 25. Um, turns out I just didn't have the day off. Uh, I was about, I want to say, an hour and a half or so away from that game. I thought I had the day off, was basically planning to head out there, see the game, maybe do an interview. We'll see. I mean, who, who, see how everything worked out. Pomona Pitzer, by the way, is playing at um, Carnegie Mud Scripps. Carnegie. Um, yeah, right? Hold on. I have that wrong, right? Claremont Mud Scripps. I knew I said it wrong. Claremont Mud Scripps. That's where they're playing across the street as their gym is getting redone. So that's where the game took place. It would have been fun to be there and see it, but uh, turns out I didn't have the day off like I thought I did. I had one day off in the, th in the nearly three weeks I was out there, <laughs> and it wasn't that day. Um, anyway, so I wish I could have gotten out there for that, but next time I'll try and do better on my scheduling or, or at least have a little influence on my scheduling. Again, top 25 ballots come out. Our new polls come out tomorrow. Uh, and we will move forward from here. We'll get a couple out this December before the holidays. Let's see. Um, it's a longer season this year, so it's a little quirky. So we'll get out one tomorrow, the 29th. We'll get one out the 6th, the 13th, and maybe the 20th. I'm guessing. I'm not speaking for Pat, just for the record. And then the question becomes, do we get one out the 3rd of January? I don't know. We'll see. But now we're getting into things. We'll figure out how the polls have shook out. We'll figure out how the top 25 teams have shook out. Try and understand what we're seeing with a lot of question marks. I think it's still very hard to vote in these top 25s because, again, you know, I just gave you a couple teams who are undefeated with schedules that aren't exactly uh, inspiring. But you also have teams who are off to absolute thuds of seasons, and, and maybe we overthought them, or maybe they're just out to a rough start. I, I've heard so many coaches, you know, some teams got to practice last year, but remember, they didn't practice as teams for the most part. They practiced as individual groups and put it together for individual games. Some teams haven't been able to practice at all. Um, because of COVID, more coaches usually get more time with their teams, and they've gotten less, even if they did practice and play last year. Um, so as many coaches have said to me, there's some bad habits that they've got to get out of their teams that they've developed in the last uh, year and a half or so. And so I think we're going to see some rough going with some teams. Is Randolph-Macon still the number one team having taken a loss? Here's how, I'll, here's how I'll put that. I did not expect when I voted for Randolph-Macon in my preseason poll, number one, for them to go undefeated this season. Plain and simple. I did not expect them to go undefeated. Um, I expect them to take at least one, if not a couple of losses in the ODAC alone. And when I looked at their out-of-conference schedule, I didn't expect them to get through that unscathed. Um, looking at who they did play in, or scheduled to play in their, in their non-conference action, um, forgive me, computer's a little slow here pulling up the schedule I want, Carnegie Mellon, Hood, Mary Washington, Emory, Marietta, New Jersey City, Christopher Newport, Rosemont, a team we don't know at a tournament out after that, and the rest is conference play. I expected at least one loss in that group. Now, they got past Marietta. They got past Emory in almost identical scores. They didn't get past Christopher Newport in overtime. So if I didn't think they were going to lose or didn't think they were going undefeated this year, 
and they take a loss to Christopher Newport, does that mean I should automatically not vote them number one if my preset idea going in anyway was they weren't going undefeated? That's a, that's a tough one. So the question then becomes, is that particular loss one that I thought significantly of? This is a Christopher Newport squad that absolutely handled Johns Hopkins in their first game, the Blue Jays' first game of the season. And by the way, Christopher Newport had handled Mary, or Washington College before that, 102-37. But lost to Marietta 86-83, a same Marietta squad that Randolph-Macon beat. And now they come back and get the 77-76 win at Christopher Newport. So here's that A beat B, B beat C, C beat A scenario. And you, you, it's, you're, you're done. So maybe, in my opinion, it is... A Christopher, uh, it is somebody else for number one. Or or maybe I keep Randolph making number one because I expected them to lose at some point anyway. Again, maybe it's the timing. Is Yeshiva number one? Well, they had to come from double digits down today against Manhattanville. It's not ideal either. Um, But we're going to find flaws with everybody too. So I think it's tough. I, I, I Again, I'm not looking at how Bob voted. I'll vote probably later this evening, wrap it up tomorrow morning before I have other things that take me away. Um, I'll be curious to see how the voters split this out. I think Randolph-Macon went from being close to a unanimous number one, because remember the previous top 25, as I'm just calling that up to remind myself, featured a number one vote for Swarthmore. They've taken a loss. A number one vote for Illinois Wesleyan. Well, they probably gained some votes. Three votes to Yeshiva and 19 to Randolph-Macon. So Randolph-Macon probably had at least 20 first-place votes, depending on how other voters voted. Yeshiva is going to pick up other first-place votes. Illinois Wesleyan is going to pick up some first-place votes. I think Platteville is going to pick up some first-place votes. It'll be interesting to see how the men's ballot shakes out. And if anything, you're going to see a lot of turnover. There's going to be a lot of changes. On the women's side, East Texas Baptist is likely going to lose their votes. Um, Amherst. Got a first-place vote sitting down in 16, and they've certainly seemed to earn it to start the season undefeated. But again, not like they played a world-beater schedule, but it's tough for them to even find those kinds of games. So we'll see how they shake out. I'll be, I'll be fascinated to find out. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. I don't have any idea how I'm going to vote right now. I really don't. Uh, it is wide open for me. Um, so we'll see. Um Bob Quillman saying, uh, at one point he tweeted about how his dream was to attend a Yeshiva game in 2020-21. Now he's saying it sounds super fun, but you might need security. Well, mainly because he's he, he's got Yeshiva fans all angry. That's It's funny, though. I, I love it. Um, it's, it's, listen, Bob's going to have his opinions. And listen, he's got a pretty good point of perspective, but I can't wait for him to see Yeshiva in person. Um, I think they're darn good. I just don't know if I'm going to vote them number one yet. I, I don't know. We're gonna. It's going to be fascinating to play this out. It really is. Um, quick check to see if any of you have sent us any messages. Otherwise, we're signing off. Nobody has, so we're going to sign off. I want to thank our guests, Megan Wilson and um, Mike Shower. Mike told me after the fact that as much as the committees have been chatting one another, that's the first time those two have actually seen each other and, and talked with one another at the same time. So I'm glad we were able to facilitate that. Great chat with them. And I think at the marathon, when we do that in January, and I cringe at the idea of the marathon, 
Um, we might do that one again for a long segment and chat with both of them at the same time. I, I, it, it allows us to ask the same question and get the different answers right away versus asking the same question repeatedly in the same segments get, you know, get a little monotonous. I uh, also want to thank Jason Harris for coming on and talking about the Black Coaches Classic, the change apparently in coaching hires, and, of course, talking about his program as well. Appreciate him taking the time. I want to thank the SIDs who helped us as well get people put in place. Brent, um, Brett at, at Wheaton, thank you, sir. I know I threw you a bunch there at the end. And with that, we're going to sign off. Again, a reminder, we're going to be on the air a week from today tomorrow so december 6th is our next show the idea of doing a show down in greensboro on thursday sounds lovely but i i i i gotta i i know when i'm biting off more than i can chew so that's an example of that so we will uh we will see you a week from monday december 6th live and then we'll get into the routine of doing a couple of uh sunday and thursday shows for a few weeks take the holiday break and we'll come back in january Raring to go. If you're interested in sponsoring or advertising on the show, please contact us. We have plenty of opportunities and would love to have you. Whether you're a school, a conference, or you have a business of some kind, please contact us and let us know. And uh, if you have a guest idea, email us as well. Hoopsville at d3sports.com is the easiest way to get a hold of us. You can also tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can direct message us there as well. We're on Instagram at d3hoopsville as well. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can message us through there if you want to as well. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're going to sign off and look forward to talking to you in a week's time. We'll get Bob and, and Ryan back on the show, get their takes on the top 25, and we'll even start trying to put a panel together on the women's side as well. Thanks for listening to Hoopsville. I want to thank our, our those who support us, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, D3Hoops.com, and Blue Frame Technology as well. Uh, really appreciate all their support. It's invaluable and couldn't do it without them. Couldn't do it without you, the fans, either. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Hoopsville. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. We'll be back on the air Monday, December 6th, with a brand-new show. Until then, follow us on Twitter and everywhere else, and make sure to go out and check a game. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.